Hey guys, I'm really excited to announce that after 21 short episodes, we have our first sponsor. It's a locally owned and operated nonprofit video rental store called Film is Truth. They have a collection of over 19,000 films in VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray. So no matter what platform you watch on, you can find the film you're looking for. They have a little bit of everything, but specialize in foreign, independent, art house, and documentary films, which is super cool because they likely have a selection that you won't be able to find in larger stores or even on some of the larger streaming platforms. This is great for filmmakers especially because you should have a wide background of films to pull from in your own filmmaking. Here at Back to Back Films, we are all about expanding not only our own knowledge, but the knowledge of our listeners, viewing films that we normally wouldn't watch, so this is a really special partnership for us. Film is Truth is open from noon to 9 p.m. every day and can be found here in Bellingham at 1530 Cornwall Avenue, inside the Terra Organica Market. That's convenient for you because you can get your food and your films in one stop. If you are a non-local listener, then you can find them at filmistruth.com or at facebook.com at filmistruth. All right, everyone. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this week's episode of the Backpack Films Podcast. This week we're covering Strike and Battleship Potemkin, talking about Soviet Montage Theory. As always, I recommend you watch, that you watch the two films we'll be discussing before listening to the episode. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. And this is the angel. This is Jake. <laughs> that's your one. That's, yeah, I got it out. One. Get it out early. Get it out early. Uh, Alright, so in an attempt to sort of restructure and get a shorter episode in. Is there any updates real quick on anything? Well, I I submitted my film to Bleedingham. Okay. Yeah, I saw and, that poster. It looked cool. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, kind of disappointed in the film overall. I was just telling Keith. But, you know, it is what it is. You gotta really, why why is that? Uh, why, do you, why are you disappointed? It just was so rushed and like everything fell apart. I mean, we had an actress quit. We had one of our key props for the film it was like this, you know, $100,000 car and we had it all lined up and then literally I drive 3 hours to get to the location and an hour before the shoot starts, the guy has to bail. And What? Yeah. So like Ugh. and the script revolved around that car, you know. Wow. So we had to quickly like find someone else and by the time we got started filming like we weren't able to get everything we needed and and then like yeah just like you know all these little things you know it was the first film that i that my brother didn't work with me you know um, i saw that i was gonna ask you about that yeah yeah, I yeah. See nick's i saw a film by guyette by uh by b ryan <laughs> and then i i saw him as like an ep and i assumed that just meant like because you're doing it through curious eyes or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, he helped out um, with li- with a little bit of like the money, just a little bit. But uh, it, some it, money bags. Over it, there. Well, it was actually Nick. he yeah just it was a little teeny teeny bit compared to what I had to do, but but right. it, it helps. But because he's curious eyes with me, you know, like yeah, yeah, but, you got uh, You got right, it. right. Yeah. So essentially, yeah. you're blaming Nick for the failure of well, this film. Well, honestly, I am. <laughs> it sounds I, like you need I, him. I, I, it I sounds honest, like you need him. Well, part of it is because I mean, he is the part 
of the duo that is more of the producer you know he he does more of that sort of stuff he's when it comes to like making sure everyone's on the same page and when we're on set making sure that we have every single shot that we need at the bare minimum whereas i'm kind of more focused on trying to you know block everything out stuff like that so without him it was kind of weird to juggle you know all of it um, so I've heard you compare yourself to Joel Cohen before, so he must be Ethan. So he's that, more of, like, Ethan, and I'm yeah. more of Joel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. Definitely, definitely, yeah. I've heard you're comparable. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, who's uh, who's Lana Wachowski? <laughs> oh, yeah, who's Lana Wachowski? Who, which, which Wachowski are well, they're you? Both, no, 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 they're, they're both, both women they're now. They're both women now. Oh, they're they sisters now. now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. about that. Which uh, Wachowski sister are you then? Oh, I'd have to. I'd have to be the oldest, right? Like I'd have to be. <laughs> I guess so. Wait, you're older than Nick. Yeah, by only oh. by, by only only by that ten. Blows my mind. Only by ten months, though. Oh, yeah. he seems older than you. I'm just saying, in my, <laughs> in my eyes, he's not a bad thing. I think it just I yeah, think yeah. He, he seems like the older brother. But no, I, I guess I can see. It. I guess I can see it. Yeah, it's funny because yeah, we're Irish twins. I guess technically is what the. The term is that te- only ten. I was gonna say because it's a fast turnaround. Yeah, so it's it, if you're oh, Irish twins. Oh, yeah, okay. if you if you have a sibling that's less than twelve months, uh, oh okay, then you, it's technically it. an Irish it's, twin. Oh, and that's coming from like Catholic, like Catholic, right? Twin, right? right. Okay, right. got it. Yeah, got it. Not that Catholic twin is a thing, but you know, Irish Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so got like it. I'm just kind of disappointed with that sort of stuff, and just like everything became last minute because of all these things, like, like. I was doing the film with Nick um, until the day before our first shoot, and he had to he had to bail out, which is fine. Like he had a good reason to, but like it was just like all these things that were unexpected, right? So everything kind of yeah. slowed the whole process down. And but, but I mean, at least I got one in. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Because I, I didn't even make one for Bleeding Ham, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So at, least you, at least you did something about my lazy ass. You know, I keep taking crap for not doing anything for Bleeding Ham this year. I know, I know Keith, man. Like, what happened? What come you didn't do something? I didn't you do normally do something, year, right? I didn't do it. Oh, last I thought year. you did. No. Oh, you did Donner Pottery before that. No, there was one in between that too. I just didn't. It's been two years since I've done it. <clears throat> Mostly just because. Well, I was working, and then I kind of stopped doing film stuff for a while, so... Oh, you took a little hiatus? Yeah, so I just kicking it back into gear, and then I told him, like, yeah, I'll make something, but it's not going to be directly for that. Like, it'll just happen You'll just when make it, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Submit it, yeah. Because yeah, it's, it's a two-year minimum. It's a two-year maximum. Right, right. Like, it's made in the last yeah. two years, it can go in, so... We should do something where all three of us, like, submit films. That'd be cool. Well, we could all compete. We yeah. can all do it. That I mean, we like, yeah, cool. But like, yeah, we could help each other out too. You know, that'd be sweet. No. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck no. Because I know suggest. Keith has a cool idea for his next thing, or like an experimental thing. But it would be cool if we could like, I mean, mm. even look at experimental film festivals to submit shit to. You know, <laughs> oh, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, because I kind of, I need, I need something, I need something fresh like that. I need like. Uh, I need to do like something just fucking nuts so because I've I've been stuck doing corporate projects for a long time and I, yeah. I need something funky you know to yeah get, yeah to get out of that. So. Well, I'm writing it now, and I put out like one post trying to find like a location, but I'll start to put out more. And then I was wanted Byron to shoot it, so in theory you could edit if you wanted to take the time to edit. Otherwise, I'll just do it. <clears throat> or like no, I I could edit. 
I mean, it's I up could, to you. I'll edit your experimental film. That sounds amazing. I'm yeah. I'm dead serious. It's it's it actually sounds like pretty cool. I don't. Have, it's like it's so. It's like literally all I have, and the only thing I plan to use for it is like I wrote like a bunch of shots that I want to get, a bunch of lines for like voiceover I want, and that's it. And then I'm just. I think it's cool because like, it, it, it like man. it just like sounds cool. Play around on set. Yeah, yeah, just, just cool. kind of fuck around, get something good, and then fuck around and edit. You know? I kind of have like a light structure for like a poem because it's like poetic voiceover or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. But other than that, there's like not no structure to it. It's the whole point is to have like lo- little to nothing for it. You know, right? It's all. It's it would almost be like the anti-Soviet montage theory movie. You know, where it's not about stacking. You know, to the next uh, each shot on top of each other and more. Just completely detached uh, images. Yep. Yeah. Anti-formalist yeah. for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. That's Which is what we're talking in. about that's today. A good tie in. <laughs> word. That's why you guys have me on the podcast. <laughs> I'm back, baby. Yeah. So <clears throat> our main topic this week is Soviet montage theory, and I have quite a bit to say about the theory itself. But we'll talk about the films first. Uh, the first film is 1925 Strike. Uh, basic plot summary is a group of oppressed factory workers go on strike in pre-revolutionary Russia, so Soviet Union. Uh, and it it's a, actually a period piece. Both of these are period pieces because they happen 1903 and 1905 uh, and they were made in 1925, both of them. <clears throat> um, uh, the film was written by Grigor... I'm going to butcher these names, so forgive me. Do it. Uh, Grigory Alexandrov, Sergei Eisenstein, Ilya Krav- <clears throat> Kravchanovsky, and Valerian Pletnev. Uh, it was directed by Eisenstein, of course, and shot by three people, Va- Vasily Kvitov, Vladimir Popov, and Eduard Tiss. Tissa? Tissa? Tiss? I don't know. Yeah. Tish? Maybe it's Sounds tish. good to me, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Russian is, like, weird. Like I, I actually yeah. don't understand Russian. Like there's, all. there's no, there's no trick to Russian too. Like you can't, uh, you know, like Italian, you can just put your finger in the air and you know wave it and know? say it in like a really like Italian way. Yeah. Yeah, but how do you do Russian? Do you just drink a bunch of vodka and then start speaking? You just put like mashed potatoes in your mouth and start talking. It all sounds like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's I like the mashed potatoes idea. That's a pretty. That's pretty good. Isn't Plus, vodka is made from potatoes, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you can do both, or you can you just be like both. Yeah, you can be three quarters of the way through a bottle of vodka and slurring your words, and you'll sound like you're speaking. And Russian. you'll sound Russian. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the film utilized the. Prolet cult theater group of which Eisenstein had been a part of up until that point uh, but it also utilized non-actors for parts because and then like instead of casting them uh, it sorry hold on let me say it again <clears throat> it also utilized non-actors for parts instead casting them as they were in real life to create a layer of authenticity so part of what Eisenstein's stick was is he would cast real people uh, and if they were poor they would play poor in the movie like it wasn't like a i like that we're trying to get them back it has that weird kind of authentic even almost newsreel look kind of yeah and people just seem like they're doing like doing stuff Mm. almost like busy yeah i mean like there's nothing nothing particular about what they're doing they're just kind of doing just yeah busy right it's kind of mundane almost yeah Yeah, exactly which is the whole point because it's like 
his big thing and like his film movement that he was a part of was the whole like low class revolution. Yeah, you know the using the low class collectivist idea to you know uproot and screw over the capitalists and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> which is obvious in both of these films. Um, they're both super political in that regard. Um, so Strike is most well known for its use of montage and cross-cutting, specifically with the sequence towards the very end of the film that features the violent suppression of the strike cut together with the images of cattle being slaughtered. Uh, which, if you don't watch the movie, if you don't want to watch the movie, watching that part in particular works out of context. I mean, it works better in context, but it works out of context, and it's a really amazing sequence. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's really, really poignant Yeah, uh, when you watch it. And it and it's surprisingly, like, modern, you know? Like, Very. Uh, there's a lot of, um, like, commercials and even films, like, nowadays that use that same exact technique uh, to present a bunch of information. You know, like, yep. there's this DeVry commercial... Uh, that some guys worked on in Seattle and they use that same using animals uh to kind of relate and and also like a bunch of like stock images like balloons exploding to like connect it to what they were trying to sell to the audience yeah. and that's in the corporate ro- world sure but it was one of the better commercials that I've seen um uh out there as far as like artistic but uh yeah i mean people are still using these techniques uh totally today. yeah and like overall the film uses crosscut images of animals as metaphors for like the conditions of people and whatnot like the film yeah. this film in particular just has all these different shots of animals like there's a cat walking down like yeah. you know a deserted hallway with and, like, all the, the garbage ducks in it. and stuff and the ducks yeah. yeah there's a scene a shot where there's two cats hung, yeah, yeah, hung yeah. strung up I was, yeah. surprised, I was surprised to see under that the, yeah. yeah under the uh, bridge yeah. yeah I remember that yeah so like generally if you watch this movie for metaphor which is also interesting too that cause you I don't know. Maybe I maybe I'm the only one, but like when I think of 1920s films, silent films, I think of everything as very literal. Like they were more interested in, in capturing the literal actions or the literal thoughts, or the literal aspects yes. of film, right? Yeah. Like the fire film, the early early fire films like 1901 is literally just them fighting a fire. Yeah. Right. Um so to have this like really heavy metaphor this early on is really surprising. Uh but it's also kind of getting to the exact point of what Eisenstein was talking about with film. Like, that is his essence of film, that yeah. he called it. You know, developing emotion and metaphor and thought process through the collision of of shots. Um, yeah. And so it works, absolutely. And I think it's super cool. Super cool and made for... I mean, it happens at the very end of the film, so, like, you really have to watch the whole thing. And, like... The third act, or not the, well, what would you call it? The fifth part or whatever? Yeah, the fifth chapter. Yeah, the third chapter. Yeah. Like, it's kind of slow at the beginning, but man, I I was, like, really into it by the end. Like, the last couple of parts was just, like, right on, man. (laughs) Like, again, you can almost see, it's funny, because you can almost see how Mother was almost structured in a similar way. Yeah, Mother had been broken into six parts. No no spoilers. um, I still haven't seen it. That won't spoil anything, but it's like that's just how I mean the way it's kind of built up. Yeah, like yeah, yeah exactly. So like, it, and I'm sure Aronofsky is very aware of yeah for these sure. old films, especially Strike and Battleship. Like every big director is yeah. going to quote Strike and Battleship at some point. Uh, that's just 
that's just it. And then yeah. Strike was his first feature. Yeah, which is crazy. His first film. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. This this could almost be a uh, a uh, beginning masterclass for Eisenstein because totally. this is his first and second film. Yeah, <laughs> that, exactly. That he yeah. Made. So yep. it's kind of interesting. Which I didn't know going into Strike. I didn't know that he that he did Strike. Yeah, um, I, didn't, I didn't know it was his first one. Yeah. And then he made Battleship Potemkin, which is our second film and his second film. Uh, he made it back to back almost. Yeah, crazy. Because he made it in the same year, both it's of them in the same insane. year. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, so he he was, uh, and these are and Battleship Potemkin is considered one of the greatest films ever made. Yeah, uh, is definitely up there on like almost every list. So, <clears throat> um, but yeah, so that was made in 1925 as well, directly after Strike. Basic plot summary is that in the midst of the Russian Revolution of 1905, the crew of the battleship Potemkin mutiny against mutiny against the brutal, tyrannical regime of the vessel's officers. The resulting street demonstration is in Odessa brings on a police massacre. Uh, so, of course, the film was directed by Eisenstein and it was written by him and Nina Agadzanov, Zanova? Agadzanova? Yeah, uh, shot by Edward Tiss from the last film and most likely edited by Eisenstein. So that's the thing is that these films from I didn't like I don't watch the credits at the end of movies I generally look it up later but when you look it up there's not an editor and I think it was because Eisenstein did the editing yeah, yeah. like that yeah. was like he cared almost less like more about the editing and less about the actual what they were filming cuz like his whole theory is editing yeah yeah that's all Soviet montage <laughs> yeah. theory is editing um, yeah it's essentially like uh ed- an editing first theory Yep. Uh, yeah, where yep. it's like entirely focused on like how it's presented to the audience as opposed to what is presented. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. like in a lot of ways they don't necessarily care what's presented as much as what are you getting from the juxtaposition of two shots. That right. Was literally the the whole crux of it. Right. Um. So after the critical worldwide success of Strike, Eisenstein wanted to continue his quote towards dictatorship series. That was supposed to be a seven-film series, but wow. was ultimately left unfinished. Uh, so that's why he was kind of like gung-ho, like, hell yeah, it's successful. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's get my ideas yeah. out there, you know. Um, when you get that validation, you kind of just want to get more out there. And then between the production of Strike and the editing of Strike is when he developed one of his most famous books, which I can't remember the title of right now. He wrote a couple of essays and books and stuff on this, on the montage and editing theory, um, which are generally, you know, quoted as like, if you're a filmmaker, read these type of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is I, crazy. Because I think in Kaveh's class, I think we had to read like excerpts of them, I think, yeah. right? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Uh, because like, you you have to, because especially yeah. when his like, he's, he did a 1920s thing and it was like, you had to yeah. eventually cover it. Uh, the 20s is Russia. Well, it's, that's not true. The 20s had a lot going in America too, but... You know, essentially, the one of the most influential theories of all of film history yeah, is Russian. Yeah, yeah so, definitely. You know. Is it the film sense? Might be the film sense or film form. Film form. Um, uh, the film factory, Russian and Soviet. Something That's along like those lines. Piece. It'd be in 1925. It's somewhere. It's it's Eisenstein wrote like multiple books, and in theoretically, you should read all of them, right? Like. Uh, I imagine they're not too... Well, they might be long. They might be really dense, but... <laughs> um, I don't know. It's Russian, so I don't know how they, like... <laughs> what their 
It's like Leo Tolstoy's one. like War and Peace, like this huge epic thing. Oh, Moby Dick. Yeah, I mean, like you know, and then if you don't want to read it, you know, there's plenty of people out there who talk all about it. Yeah, you can listen to directors and editors talk all about it, what it means. Listen um, to our podcast. Listen to our podcast <laughs> yes. about it because we did the research for you. Yes. Yeah. We did not read the books though. <laughs> didn't have time true. to read the books, unfortunately. True. But uh, we'll pretend like we did. You know? <laughs> um, so, let's see. So, he continued his uh, Torch Dictatorship with the, with the second film in that series, which is Battleship. Uh, like I said, considered to be one of the greatest ever made and is most likely on like a lot of your favorite directors' top ten lists. Um, in 1952, sound, so sight and sound has been long, been around for a long time. God, I cannot talk today. And in 1952, when they did their polling list, this was number one. Oh wow! Um, versus whatever else was you know out around that time. I mean, Hitchcock that's, was in the game at that point. It's actually you know? interesting because 1950s. I mean, I know sight and sound is a British thing, but. And, you know, at least in America, 1950s, that was like, you know, fear of communism and mm-hmm. all that. So it's interesting that this film would be that influential. Which, yeah. uh, God, I'm going to get this confused. It was either Strike or Battleship that, or, so Eisenstein got invited after uh, a while to, by Paramount, to make a film in the U.S. Yeah. And he went there to do that. However, the film ended up, they ended up hating it. And they wanted to have it redone or, or give him a different project, yeah. except for there was an individual whose name now I can't remember either, who was a s- vehemently anti-communist and basically went on this campaign to like slander Eisenstein. So he like left the country because of that. Yeah. Like, he was just forced out. And then he went to Mexico to make a film and he was forced out of there and essentially went to like a mental institution back in Russia because partly because he realized he was like never gonna be able to finish his Mexican film, and apparently he like loved Mexico like a lot and like their culture and their and their art and stuff, and just was like super depressed that he could never finish his film. Whoa. And they said they shot something, but somewhere between a hundred and eighty and two hundred fifty thousand feet of film. Holy shit! Yeah. Wonder where that is. What, what's Dude, uh, right? what's a normal amount of film to to shoot for? Not uh, six figures worth of film. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, that's a stupid I, amount. I don't know. I don't know what the what the normal amount is. Oh. I mean, obviously, I don't work with film. I mean, you could look it up right now. What's the average amount of film for a movie? Uh, uh, don't give me jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I delegate. Okay. That, um, that's crazy, though. Holy cow! So he basically, I mean, did he die kind of like depressed? Yeah. I, well, I, he kind of made a comeback because, like, it was later that he did his bio. It was like a biopic on Alexander Nemyev or whatever his name was. Yeah. And then he did this Ivan series. So he kind of made a comeback oh, in right. terms of film. So he didn't die depressed, but I think there was just a blue period in his yeah. life. Right? Wow. Like most artists kind of go through that yeah. blue period where... That's crazy, though. Everything sucks. That much film. That's a wow. lot. That's a lot of film. Uh, so this film is most well-known for the very famous Odessa Steps sequence. Uh, is probably his most recognized, like, and most widely influential sequences um, in cinema history. It gets quoted and analyzed and talked about everywhere, all the, excuse me, all the time, and is used as an example of like what, like, it's it's considered his 
sort of best example of his ideas of what montage yeah. is. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's an incredible sequence. Absolutely incredible sequence. Uh, with a whole slew of oddball characters. That's the thing I noticed in his films, too. <laughs> he had uh, a short person in Strike. Yeah. And he had a legless person in yeah. Battleship. So, like, he has these kind of, like, you know, atypical characters, especially for this time, yeah. where a lot of that is looked down upon, in his films. In the most, like, the, one of the you know, greatest films ever made, quote-unquote, or whatever. Um and his films are graphic. That's what <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to say too. His films are graphic. Because um, I want to say Battleship Potemkin was rated X in the sixties or late fifties when it came yeah. out in Britain, in, in, in the UK. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When it was Jeez. finally when the ban was lifted off that film in the late fifties, yeah. it was still rated X. And it was it was. Uh, in some countries, it was banned until the seventies. Right. Even. Yeah. Jeez. Like it. It was like unviewable yeah oh, mostly because of that odessa sequence that odessa yeah, sequence is crazy. brutal probably the probably the child dying <laughs> in there did, <laughs> did you see the death? child dying in strike that came out yes. of nowhere yeah, 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 yeah he yeah, just yeah. falls down yeah. the thing yeah that was like, literally yeah. it was the, the officer drops him <laughs> off the roof I, that was the only time I've, in watching both these movies where i audibly said what the fuck because it was like you see him do it and then it cuts back and forth and you're like is he gonna do it and then he does it and then you just see the kid yeah you see like a wide shot in this like black kind of whatever fall and then it shows the kid on the ground dead like all bloody it's like holy shit dude yeah for 1925 are you kidding me yeah Jesus. That is awesome. And then so in, oh, yeah, Odessa. Right. Crazy. Yeah, and then in uh, Battleship, obviously the kid dies, the person falls, and they all he gets stomped on yeah, by the crowd. Yeah. You know the very famous shot of the woman with the glasses. Yeah, uh, who's got the bloody face? Yeah, like, which yeah. is incredible. Yeah. And, and and I'm guessing she probably wasn't even an actress. No, which is kind of crazy. Oh no, the whole no. Uh, no. There's too many people in these movies yeah. to have all actors. Yeah. Like, it's just that'd too be, many people. That'd be stupid expensive, I think. Super expensive. Especially yeah. for 1925, yeah. too. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, I have an answer. Since, okay. Uh, okay, so for a uh, 35 millimeter, um, I'm just going to talk about... I'm going to guess 75,000. Three per format. I'll just, uh, I'll just go with that. It's 21 frames per foot in a minute. So... But what? how many feet are generally shot? Oh, I mean, I think that's highly variable based on who the director is. But if you no, but I wonder uh, on average, like, what is an average ninety-minute amount of film? Oh, and, uh, so a ninety-minute amount would be ninety times twenty. Um, so that would be a hundred and eighty feet for that's that's for that's for the finished of, film, right? Exactly. But it, so they went and shot how much? Like somewhere between 180 and 250,000 <laughs> feet. 180,000? 180 to 250,000. Okay. So 180,000. 180,000. So that is like filming uh, 10,000 hours. What's like, what's that movie film. that was like 30 days wait, long? Wait, 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 10,000 hours? This, that's, uh, I'm sorry, 10,000 10, minutes, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 my, 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 yeah. Whoa. I think I had that ten thousand hour, you know, to master yeah, yeah, crafting no. in my brain. Uh, uh, yeah, that'd be like ten thousand minutes. Wow, um, which would still—that's still like 
a thousand hours. That seems like a lot. Yeah. I mean, what were they shooting? Wait, they were holy shooting, were they, sh- were they the shooting on thirty-five millimeter? A thousand hours. Six, Sixteen. I doubt millimeter? it was thirty-five millimeter. It's, was it sixteen? What's nineteen twenty? What's nineteen twenty? Oh, was it Super Eight? Might have been oh. Super Eight. Even this has Super Eight sixteen millimeter. When did Super Eight cam- come out? I thought I Super know. came out. We haven't out, talked like... about film yet. That's on our list. Shit. Oh wait, feet per minute at twenty-four. Okay, let's. Okay, so. Let's say it's Super 8. Oh, that's still 20, so that still is the same. Huh. That's just insane, though. Okay, so here. Here's what it is. Oh, yeah. The... Uh... Uh... Stalin... All right, don't don't mind me. Um... (laughs) So he had his production shut down, um, and the film footage they shot uh, was given to these producers to see what they could do with the fil- with the film already shot. Estimates ranging from 170,000 lineal feet to an excess of 250,000 lineal feet. Uh, yeah, to to me that sounds like uh, 10,000 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like a that because it's like twenty oh, frames. Holy fuck! That's like a like a a ten season long series. No, that's like stupid long. Yeah, no, like, how, no how, wonder how, they were like, "What do we do with this?" Yeah, they what, just but, gave up. I wonder, but they could have gotten money off of it, right? Like you think they would have? They could have probably made some sort of film or films yeah. out Supposedly of that footage. That's what they did: is they took it, it invest- and then tried to make their own film out of what was shot. But it just to watch that. that. But it still didn't work? I, uh, or he just wasn't happy with it? He didn't have the chance yes. to edit it himself. He was cut out of the project. So I wonder what happened to that project. Uh, if, I if, think if, they if, invested it in, in a stock video. <laughs> <laughs> That's not actually a bad idea, though. <laughs> I, bet, uh, I, I bet they just... Yeah, what the fuck, dude? That's a lot. That's just crazy. Like I want And to just get kicked out of the project? Yeah, he was just kicked out. Yeah, um, that's a that's a stupid amount of film. That's it said uh, for the unfinished filming of the novel because this was based on a novel without incurring any cost. Eisenstein had secured five hundred soldiers, ten thousand guns, and fifty cannons from the Mexican army too. Fuck. Damn, Dude, this would have been a crazy film. I want to see it. He could have taken over a Epic. small country. I want to. Why, why did he even bother making a film? Yeah. I bet people didn't even watch the footage. And in the footage, he took over a small country. I bet <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just probably. like, we don't know what to do with this. Throw it away. That's crazy. I want to see that. Man. That's insane. Um, so I don't. That sounds horrible. Dude, I sounds would love to see long. what. Well, no, no, I mean not the like not the all the footage, but like the I would film hate to edit the film that oh, they made yeah. that. At, yeah. You know that. Oh yeah. That's why they should have just given it to Eisenstein to edit because there's so much footage. Like, yeah. just let him do it, man. He knows everything that he shot yeah, anyway. So. So yeah, what, what's it, what's it to them? Right, I'm curious what the politics are. I bet it has to do with the with communism and uh, there's a lot of poli- just, yeah, political just general issues. general fear, you yep. know, because that that's what was going around during that time in Hollywood. Because his anyway, films so. are vehemently communist, like. It's like yeah, so yeah. communist uh, yeah. with the whole collectivist and the whole like his films have no main characters. For reason, because it's it's to yeah. to show you just who's a part of the group, and then the group against the the 
fat right. cats. Yeah. The liter- well, yeah. In, in Strike's case, the literal, like, fat. The literal. Yeah. yeah. Fat man. But it's funny yeah. because, like, in Battleship Potemkin, like, in a way, when the, I don't know how to pronounce his name, it starts with the V, the, the kind of the main guy that kind of starts the the yeah like Vendoff or the mutiny like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. when he gets killed and then they like have his body on display mm-hmm. like he was kind of like a main character kind of yeah but then he dies and then from that the whole ship has to band together you know to it's like in Strike where there's yeah, that yeah. one guy who yeah. kind of is picked out and then he gets he he kills himself yeah this is right. kind of cool you're uh, talking about Vakulinchuk yeah 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 sounds right. Um, so, uh, back to the Odessa steps, just real quick, um, singular images from that sequence, such as the woman with the broken glasses that we talked about, went on to influence a wide range of painters and their art and their artistic works. Uh, there's one painter in particular that basically everything he's known for now started with that still image of that woman because it is such a powerful shot. Yeah. Uh, it is easily one of the, at least in my mind, the most memorable shot of that movie. Uh, even within that ridiculous, crazy sequence. Um, In the Soviet Union, the film had a hard time gaining any attraction and was actually almost lost at one point, Uh, but through various people and various schemes, it was saved, uh, and it went on to become an international success Uh, because actually it wasn't even that big. It was, you know, like before and after it was lost or whatever it just never caught on as much in russia until later on Uh, but internationally it was like immediate uh even joseph goebbels of the ss said it was one of the finest ever made finest films ever made and actually super inspired by it yeah Yeah. and he wanted to have germany redo like a their own version of that and then eisenstein sent him a letter and said something along the lines of like uh you know german or not the he said the national socialist realism is neither truth or realism or something yeah, along those yeah, lines. Yeah. Being like, don't touch my movie, you <laughs> yeah. fucking, you douchebag. Like, fuck nice. you and your, you know, your... Because they were dictatorship. Like, they were literally against what he was taught, what Einstein yeah. was talking yeah. about. Like, yeah. fuck your dictatorship, dude. But like, like, Goebbels even said something like, if you go watch it, it'll make you want to become a Bolshevik or something. Yeah, you know? it, someone like, without any sort of, like, nationality or right. spine would become a Bolshevik yeah. and they watch it. It was just like, <laughs> Goebbels is weird. But Goebbels was a cracked out crazy fuck, though, too. So Yeah. Um, <laughs> tell me Te- that's it. Uh, yeah, t- uh, technically. Yeah. Yeah. Technically. <laughs> um, and then just a quick connection to kind of us here with... Uh, kind of in our area. So Douglas Fairbanks and Mary Pickford visited Moscow in July 1926 where their praise and persistence helped the film come to the U.S. uh, where it became, you know, even more of a success. And Mary Pickford is the individual who our local independent theater is named after. Yeah. So nice little little tenuous connection there. Yeah, Yeah, Mary Pickford was like big, was a big uh, star back in the day. Totally. She was like the first, she, I think, well, I think she was, like, considered to be the first uh, famous uh, film actress, you know? Actress, yeah. Like, yeah. The, like a actress. Fe- yeah, female. Yeah. 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 She, was a, she was a fat cat. And then after that, I think it was, like, Clara Bow would be, would you know, like, she was known as the It Girl. She came out, her first film, I think, was 1927, which was Wings. Which was, only, you know... She did, like, uh, only a Wings. couple, right? Like, I don't think she did a whole bunch yeah, of films. she was yeah. kind of, and then she kind of died. Yeah, but Clara uh, Bow, yeah, she was a cool actress. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait to talk about Wings when we watch that movie. That's going to be cool. We'll do it. 
Um, <laughs> Why are you looking at me? I'll watch it. <laughs> and I'll be happy about it. Unlike Keith, who's like, hey, uh, I'm sick of watching these old movies. <laughs> no, but like, but like Weeds is like a Hollywood movie, though. Like it, it's well, totally. I mean, even yeah, though we watched, yeah, we well, watched like, Hell's Angels, and it's right. I don't know. I just haven't been like I like old movies. Just have not been in yeah, the mindset yeah. to watch old yeah. movies recently. I just, if, nah, if, but if there's, I, if, there's if there's two old movies to watch, it's Wings and M. Those are I still need to watch M. They're so fucking good. Yeah, I would oh, really so like good. to see M. Uh, I just I like uh, I like The Prestige. That's a good old movie. Ten years ago. <laughs> Hey, that's that's classic back to back films, right? Classic, there, so. classic, classico. There's no such thing as movies before classico. our first episode. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, those are those are the good those are the good ones. Those yeah. are good ones. I don't know. That's an, that's interesting though. If we were to pick two, what are two old movies we think you should watch? Like, I haven't yeah. seen enough maybe to even make a decision like that. Because, dude, yeah, like, there's a lot. GW Pat, I should uh, watch. Pandora's no, I'm saying if we were to each oh. come up with two movies. Oh, okay, okay. I, I was about to fight you. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight you. <laughs> you do need to watch more old movies, though. <laughs> I've I watched How to Marry a Millionaire and enjoyed it very much. See, like that's kind of an older movie, but that's not even like super old. I mean, that was like 60 years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's not old. <laughs> that's widescreen. That's and not in old color. for a cinema. Widescreen and in color. And in that's color. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing that I uh, discovered today after some heated. Um, Facebook debates that I uh, decided to take part in. Um, <laughs> How to Marry a Millionaire <laughs> passes the Bechdel test. Do you guys know about the Bechdel test? How I want to say this sounds vaguely familiar. It's it's like a oh, it's it like a modern uh, test uh, that was popularized in the two thousands. It's uh, basically is a test that says whether or not women are portrayed. Um, in a positive light in a movie. Uh, is there, is has, there two women in a movie? Like, to pass yeah. the test, you have to have two women, women in a movie who talk to each other and don't talk about a man. Oh, okay. Yes, and they have to be named. And they have to be named. Yeah, I can't Those just Those are be, the three things, yeah. yeah. They have to be, like, people. Like, so it passed you know, like, it. I don't uh, think yeah. so. No, it make does. Sense. They're it does. talking about men the whole movie. <laughs> No, what? it passes the test. No, it doesn't. No, they're talking about money. Yes, it does. This is what I this is what I found out today. A movie titled "How to Marry a Millionaire" that that stars three women, and their goal in the movie is to get a man. That movie passes the Bechtel test. It does. There's got to be there's got to be some sort of scene where they were talking about something like to pass it. All right, like there had oh, to yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, all they need, because they're all named, right? All they need is a scene between any of the three of them, or any any t- uh, two of the three of them, where they're not talking about men. So yeah, so that's I, it. I, I can see how it passes. I mean, I have to watch the film again for the exact scene, but yeah, but it yeah. does pass. I I looked up like I because I, I we I was on Facebook talking about the big. They'll test like an idiot. You know, I was talking to a bunch of women about it. Like I knew more about it than them. You know, <laughs> woo, yeah, successful at life. But, uh, but yeah, it, 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 I, I looked up surprising movies that passed the Bechdel test, and that passed. I wonder American Pie two passes, but not American <laughs> Pie one. I wonder if it's because of this. So one of the criteria says women talk to each other not only about men, but then that would mean yeah. that a lot of movies. Uh, more often than not, movies pass. Uh, it, it, of the all the movies that have been 
subject to the Bechtel test, 60% of them pass altogether. Well, I'm never going to watch that movie again to actually, like, test that, but <laughs> would, would that Lord sounds the, wrong. I bet Lord of the Rings wouldn't even pass. I don't think there's two I, women that talk to each other in Lord of yeah, the Rings. Yeah, I don't know if there's even right. a scene. Yeah, I don't. I would say no. A, it, a lot of movies, popular movies don't pass. Yeah. Yeah. But it's one of those metrics where, or it's one of those tests where, you know, you have to decide how important it is to you. Like, for some people, it's really important that that passes, but for other people, it doesn't matter at all. In my case, uh, a little bit of both, but really depends on the genre, you know, for me. But, um, totally getting sidetracked here. Uh, what were we talking about? Wings? <laughs> what the fuck were we even talking about? How do we get on this? Uh, we were talking about classic movies, <laughs> and you were like, "Oh, I liked How to Marry a Millionaire." Because oh yeah, that's have right. Terrible yeah. tasted movies. No, but. we were talking about. We just got done with uh, Pickford talking about. Yeah, we were oh about yeah, Mary Pickford. Pickford. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, uh, yeah. so let's dive in quick. Well, kind of quickly. I kind of have a lot to say about Soviet montage theory itself. Uh, now that we've watched and talked about the films, and everyone who's listening has watched those films, now you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, is uh, Soviet montage theory, is that what was in Rocky? Most likely, yes. <laughs> you were supposed to say no. Is it a no? No, because it, it, it's different than just a regular montage. Well, it's kind of hard because, like... I don't know. Montage has different connotations, like yeah, different ideas, the, it, right? Like yeah, that's that's a montage in the sense that you're moving quickly through things. If, like a, like if a, you uh, yeah. walked up to someone on the street and said, "Hey, I just filmed a montage," they would think you filmed something like Rocky Balboa or or something of that like, like a t- like a time montage. They like would a passing not of time. like a passing of time. They would not think Soviet montage theory clearly unless. But, Unless they had a pocket watch and a uh, and a, just like one of those single lens uh, eyeglasses, you know. But I would argue that that montage is Soviet montage theory too, because it's a series of images juxtaposed together to develop an emotion, right? Like even in like you know that's one yeah, of those because like Eye of the Tigers, yeah, playing it's like, and you're like yeah, 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 which, yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's sort like, of is, I guess. I guess it's it could be argued, you know, that's more on the music than on the images. But if you took the, you know, well, if you just right. listen to the but song, that is yeah. that is what Soviet montage theory is. Is some one a piece of it is uh, is is rhyth- rhythmically editing. Yeah, and that would be editing to a piece of music. Right? Totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, I think any sort of montage probably didn't exist in the way they exist now without the Soviet montage theory. You know what I mean? Oh, hundred percent. Like, like, yeah. like, like, like the montage sequences in um, Aronofsky's *Requiem for a Dream* probably wouldn't be there if it wasn't for Eisenstein. You know, it, exactly. Yeah, but I guess uh, what I'm trying to get at is in in these movies there there's not a uh, passage of time montage. Right. Right. They, you would they see they in used a right. different right. So form of montage. Yeah. yeah it's not that. Same thing that for just in case of our, I'm just looking out for uh, listeners who 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 maybe just aren't in the know already, but I'm sure most of them are because I feel like our audience is um, would is more interested in this type of stuff. But uh, in case you don't know, that is it is different. You know, yeah. it's not it's yeah, it comes from a different. I mean, uh, I think like place. what we're going to be talking about is like a montage. It's the fundamental found. It's like 
it's the you know it's the foundation of all montage that came later. You it's, know? The, it's the foundation of editing as we know it today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'll get into a little bit more about Hitchcock uh, and his him talking about this um, because I like the way he describes it uh, and and editing in general. Um, but just real quick, so what is montage? Uh, montage, the montage we're talking about refers to the to the form of editing that uses two shots juxtaposed together to create an emotion or idea or emo- emotion I think or idea uh, I might have typoed that Eisenstein states montage is an idea that arises from the collision of independent shots wherein each sequential element is perceived not next to the other but on top of the other hmm. and Jacob alluded to that towards the beginning uh, with montage and if you think about it that's really true when we watch a film we don't ever think of something as side by side we're, we're thinking of it as layers yeah. building up to something right like we start somewhere and we're building up to somewhere and each each subsequent shot one after the other is adding to a layer you know we got this feeling from that shot this feeling from the next shot the feeling for the having the two shots next to each other we take that you know, add the additive feeling of that. We add it to the next shot, and we, you know, we're doing this multiple things where it's each individual or each, you know, couple of shots we t- we we are reading as together, but we're also reading the additive sum of all parts. Yeah. Every time we're seeing a new shot, right? To 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 put everything together. So th- this is this is something that still confuses me to this day, and maybe you guys can put some light to it. Um, when he's talking about creating a film that is creating shots that are side by side is that even possible like is that like because i feel like that's not even like a thing you, you know like what film well i would think of earlier is films not like that like films before this time like let's take kabiria for example yeah is more of a side by side series of shots to show an event like, Kabiria has editing, but it doesn't have the montage editing. It's just, it's it's kind of like, here's a wide shot of a bunch of people. Like, Kabiria is more about the epic and the, the, the grandiose nature of the fact that they're shooting these huge sets with a bunch of people. As opposed to, and then, and then each subsequent shot is to just show the set for the people. Right. Whereas montage is like... You know, like this, the 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 slaughterhouse is like okay. So you have these people running, these strikers running from yeah. the the police force, <clears throat> cut together with the butcher pulling the yeah. the the cow in, and it's, and it's happening knife. at the same time. Right, exactly, and it's it, it's there's two completely different things in in the world in or the same universe, space, but happening of. Yeah, like we can yeah. watch it happen at right, the same right, time, right? Yeah. Even though it's two completely right. different things. Yeah. So in that sense, it's like you can feel the layering effect of that because each right. each subsequent shot is like, oh man, I want to see those strikers, but I don't want to see this cow die. And like you know, the, and then you build the metaphor. Like that's the other thing too is that <clears throat> I, I think I say this a little bit later too is that montage is building a metaphor through the juxtaposition of shots. So in this sense... Which we, I really we, like. I like that. Totally. That's what we do nowadays. And it's like... The example is that it's... The cow is the strikers. The butcher is the police force. And they're massacring both things. Yeah. That's that, And then so it, it builds that metaphor in that sense. Because 
the strike itself can probably be more abstract than what most people at that time are probably familiar yeah. with, which is like the slaughtering of the animal. Right. And it's funny too because like with Strike and Battleship Potemkin, I mean like the way it's edited, there's many, there's a lot more cuts than maybe what would what we would use now when it comes to like trying to bring that metaphor up because like now that audiences are are used to seeing this type of montage you can have like one two three cuts of that animal right throughout a two-hour film and the audience would still get that metaphor whereas maybe it wouldn't be as apparent because the audiences then might be like why was there some random cut of like you know a cow you know um yeah but the way he does it where it's like like the layering and it's like these sequences um it makes it, that metaphor stronger, totally. uh, you know. But it's funny is how just to see how, like, it's evolved through time is super interesting. I don't know. Totally. That's kind of what I when I was just watching it or both of the films. I was like, it's like everything that we use today is there, except this is just so much more in your face. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and right, right. Probably the the best example of the evolution of montage is Hitchcock. Right, uh, right, because he was the next probably, you know, Eisenstein. You know, because a couple of these people like Eisenstein, uh, who were making films at the time, are kind of at the top of like, okay, cinema is editing. If there's no editing, it's not cinema. Right. Hitchcock is kind of, is like the next step down, where he's like, editing is the essence of cinema, but you know, it's not. It's not everything. It's not everything, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And, like, he tries right. to prove that with rope. And, like, he, you know, he kind of has this idea that yeah. there is something more there. But in general, editing is what is what makes film itself. In right? a way of... Cinema and in having... Film. In a way, like, not having cuts is a form of editing, though, too. It right? is. You right. know, so it's like... It's, yeah. It's, it's Because weird. you're still doing the same yeah. things as editing. Yeah. You're just not... Because, like, editing... There's something about editing where... It, it, in our minds, where it's like it kind of resets you every time yeah, it edits, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Whereas, like, in a, you know when it's just a long shot, even though you're still trying to do the same, get close-ups, get wides, push in, go yeah. fast, like, but it's, it's you know that it's one thing. It's so crazy. It's so yeah. crazy yeah. how that works. Like, you're, you're thinking about the timing, you're thinking about how it connects to the, to the other shots that mm-hmm. you're doing. You're, you're just kind of doing the editing beforehand or yeah, during yeah. the shot. Through through blocking or staging block. and all that exactly. stuff, it's just yeah, it's crazy. It's just a completely yeah. different way of thinking about it. And that was, I like, like you said, like the genius of Hitchcock yeah. was he was able to think about all that. Yeah. And then Eisenstein, he was so focused on his his particular type of montage and editing that I don't think yeah. he I don't think he ever made a film that probably tried to even get close to what Hitchcock was trying to maybe do. No. You know, no. right, right. <laughs> It's sort of a trip, too, because he went to school with Vertov, who did Man with a Movie Camera. Right. Um, and yeah, they both were into montage theory, but they both had their different ways different, of yeah, about it. Where, you know, cool. Vertov was trying to deconstruct the formalist ideas. Yeah. Eisenstein was trying to construct the formalist ideas. And Eisenstein kind of won out in that sense yeah. where formalism is what we have in general. I mean, you could go on to Fandango right now, look at every movie on the list, and it's going to be a formal yeah. movie. Yeah. You know? Um, it's funny because, like, I respect that. I respect the formalism. At the same time, like, I think that's what I enjoyed about Man with the Movie Camera so much was the fact that it doesn't have those, like, rules. It doesn't totally. set up any sort of structure like totally. Battleship Potemkin or Strike right. does, you know? Exactly. 
Uh, so one of the earliest forms of this idea of the Soviet, the idea of Soviet montage, is with the Kuleshov effect, or Kuleshev effect, uh, which can be pretty easily found with just a search on YouTube or Google. Just type in Kuleshov effect, uh, K-U-L-E-S-H-O-V. <clears throat> um, basically, this effect is a mental phenomenon wherein viewers derive more meaning from the interaction between shots than one single shot. Okay, so all it's saying is that one shot's good. You know, picture's worth a thousand words, but when you put two things together in sequence, um, flash one, flash the other, we build more meaning from those things. It's like if you see, like, a cactus by itself, it's just a picture of a cactus. If you see a cactus and then someone that's, like, has, like, a face like they're in pain, then, like, oh, well, he touched the cactus. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, the, like, it brings oh, right, an sure. emotional yeah. response right. to the view. Like, you, you're able to kind of infer what happened. Exactly. And Kuleshev... Uh, tried to deconstruct that even further, like one step further from like, almost exactly what you said. And he showed this by having a plain, non-emotional face of a man. Uh, it was some model that he used, like actually a like, famous model. Um, plain face, no, no expression. And he cut that together with first um, a plate of soup, oh, a yeah. bowl of soup or whatever, <laughs> a girl in a coffin, and then a woman on a divan. Divan, whatever. A duvet um, or no, what duvet, was it? Duvet. It says divan, but duvet. duvet. Blanket. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. Um, and he showed this to audiences, and when what they were told afterwards was that the audience claimed that the expression on the man's face changed depending on the shot, <laughs> but it was the same shot. Yeah, it, was, it literally yeah. It was just a uh, you know they didn't they didn't reshoot the guy. That's interesting. Um, they would say that oh he was sorrowful over this bowl, this bowl of soup or something because it was so plain, yeah. or he was sad because of the, the girl in the coffin, and oh but he was he's smiling a little bit at yeah. that that woman there, you know like yeah, that type yeah. of thing. They would just add all these little emotions. Well, it, uh, I mean, is it them projecting their own? emotional yes. response onto well, the character that they're seeing. That's right? what they're saying, yeah. is that the audience is projecting even in the most deconstructed form of the two shots. Like, nowadays it's like, you know, it's a shot reaction, right? and you know between the two what the reaction is because it's yeah, obvious, yeah. whereas this is like, no, this is he's saying that the audience will project themselves yeah. depending on their yeah. psychological state, physical <laughs> state, emotional whatever, and put that onto the person. It's crazy. Because, like, if we did that and we had a bowl, uh, let's say, a bowl of soup, we wouldn't, like, you know, in that time in Russia, they might be thinking, okay, famine, starvation, right. I haven't eaten. So there's a certain, but, like, for us, it's like, dude, I just had a fat burger, not hungry. <laughs> yeah. So our perception or projection of what those two mean together would be different. Totally, yeah. Right? Right. Um, even though it's the exact same thing. Um, <clears throat> so... This concept and Eisenstein's theories on editing are basically what brought formalism to filmmaking and what we have now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would say 95 to 99% of movies nowadays use these uh, theories and thoughts and ideas. You know, there's very, there's few, there's a lot of experimental stuff, but it's fewer and far between than. Yeah, you won't go to the regular cinema and watch some experimental thing. And even yeah. in like a, you know, it, uh, kind of an independent niche cinema it's like they had a guy come in who had this crazy experimental film we watched but that's only once in a while right you know they're yeah. still like showing formalist yeah. films um for lack of a better term um 
So Eisenstein actually went to the Kuleshov school for filmmaking. So Kuleshov has a school. Uh, he went, like I said, he went with Vertov. Um, and I, yeah, I kind of said that already, but I'll say it again that they were both practicing montage, uh, but essentially just wanted to go different ways. And I think Eisenstein at one point, I think we mentioned that he didn't even like Man with Movie Camera. Uh, <laughs> Vertov was going the wrong direction entirely. Because, I mean, yeah, like you said, it totally represents. The, the, the opposite, opposite of what yeah. Like, yeah. yeah yeah derived from the same yeah. theories you know I, just, I was like you Nazi no I'm just kidding <laughs> yeah you, you, you Nazi I just picture Eisenstein just like wanted to give him a doogie be like you nut what are you doing what are you doing for Tom <laughs> um, so the big difference between these theories and the more modern Hollywood theory which is more I guess more of what we have um, today is Hollywood's idea of continuity-based filmmaking. Uh, whereas Soviet montage didn't necessarily think that it had to be... had There had to be continuity. Uh, even though Battleship and Strike do have continuity editing, right? <clears throat> they were still... Say, like, the emotion trumped it. So if you needed to cut away to a cow being slaughtered, even though there's no lead-up to that, do it yeah because the emotional impact is more important than the continuity of it all yeah um and that's and so hollywood and montage are the same in a lot of regards except for hollywood was like people got to be able to understand it from point a to point b and we got to be able to sell a lot of it right away to the biggest audience we can yeah uh, and to do that, make it simple and make it easy to follow. Yeah. And and we are so trained nowadays that <laughs> if we watch a movie where the continuity is broken, we either assume, okay, it's part of this plot, so maybe it'll come up later. You know, or they hate it because it's part of the plot. Yeah, yeah. Or it's yeah. not part of the plot and the filmmakers just messed up. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. It's like lazy. And sometimes it's like, I mean, there's like that site that is like dedicated to finding movie mistakes you know there's like an imdb section that's like movie mistakes and it's all people who are like going through like oh his shirt was like white and then it was like a different shade of white when in this other scene like he changed shirts like obviously probably the most notorious prop ever for this is a cigarette uh because it's really hard to keep a cigarette yeah the same throughout multiple like a glass of wine or something glass glass of of, yeah the whatever their drink is right uh usually changes all the time because yeah. sometimes you shoot it the same day sometimes you don't shoot it till later that week uh right. you know it's just how it happened and then that's why there's jobs on set specifically to keep continuity yeah, yeah. you know yeah like, there's people whose sole, sole job is that yeah. i'm not gonna lie and totally yeah yeah because they have to every single shot they have to write down what hand you picked up what object with which direction you spun yeah if you if you blinked you know what i mean like it's like yeah. uh, how far does it go you know which side the ponytail is on like four days ago like they have to know that blood splatter on faces stuff like that yeah, yeah. like where exactly yeah. it was yeah which a lot of times they take photos to right. you know costume yeah. people take, take photos. photos yeah yeah because uh, that's an easy way to remember well you don't have to remember because you have the photo um but yeah there are people who are like you know even in between takes like Okay, so yeah. he was halfway through the cigarette. We can kind of make a new cigarette. Like, you know, how do we balance all that? Um, right. And it's funny because you could tell some films are just way better than others. You know, yeah. like it's not even but like it's not even a matter of budget. You could just tell that some some of the 
people are just better at it. You yeah. know, it's just funny. Like the, the continuity people. Yeah. 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 That's no, one exactly. of the most egregious things probably on like more amateur first time filmmakers right. is that you're just making a film, which is fine, but they don't think of continuity. They yeah. think of, okay, I like this shot. I like this shot. It'll look that way in editing. Yeah. Be good to go. Whereas, and there's you like know, like lighting continuity. Lighting oh, continuity man. is a big one. Yeah. Uh, lighting continuity actually is probably the least is goes the most unnoticed, but is, the yeah. most like egregious. Like, yeah, if yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. If like, it's like really bad, then it's like, whoa, like it's hard <laughs> to like figure out what exactly it was. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're like something is wrong, and yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Part of the reason why, well, one of the many reasons why the 180 rule, 180 degree rule exists is for con- like it's partly true. because they were trying to keep continuous yeah. lighting so you can only shoot from a certain right. side, right? Because if, if you're going to light from the right and you shoot from the left, when you pop over, you got to shoot from the right, shoot from the left, yeah. or light from the left. That way it's all the same. Uh, and keep that, because the, what the 180 rule is that if you have essentially two people talking, it's an easy way to describe it, is if you have two people talking, there's a line you can draw in between them. And whatever side the camera's on of that line, it stays on that line regardless of who you're yeah. shooting. Uh, yeah. On that side regardless of who you're shooting. And if you break that line, it's considered a mistake. Yes. However, there is a really, really excellent use of breaking that rule in the Tom Tickworth film Heaven. Yeah. Freaking gorgeous break of the 180 rule, like right at the end of the movie. Um, so... Give it a shot, and yeah. you'll know exactly what shot it is too. There's when you a, see it. There's a couple it, different ones. It's it's like it's important for the story. I've never for, seen for that, that one. one. I want to see it now. Yeah. You sold it. You sold that movie. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it. Go watch it. Heaven, heaven. It was supposed to be a trilogy, but the writer died. So, oh, sad, nope. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Not, no longer a trilogy. Typically, breaking uh. the 180 rule is done for uh, like Antichrist does it. When they're talking in the when she's in the hospital bed and he's talking to her because it's supposed to be confusing, it's supposed yeah. to be startling, and back and forth, you know, like that's generally the use of it is when you're trying to confuse a situation. Yeah, I want to see Von Trier's um, use it a couple times. I think. Yeah, I would imagine because he does that documentary style yeah. shooting and editing. Uh, the only the general way or the basically the only way to get around the 180 rule without it be, being considered a mistake is if you in one shot cross the line. So don't yeah. don't yeah. edit. To cross the line, the, the camera has to move across the line physically. And there's uh, a lot of those work. shots, like you know, like the the action shots, you know, like in Bad Boys too, right? Or Bad Boys when like it's a dolly shot on a, in a circle, right? Right, and Which it's is, like filming the you know exactly. the, the guys yeah. type of stuff. Yeah. And that's why it works is because we right. can see it in one shot. That's what I'm saying. In an edit, it resets your mind, right? Yeah. So you're expecting it to say, okay, he was on the right side of the screen. Now I expect the guy on the left. But it's weird because it's sub- subconscious. Like that's it what's is. so crazy. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. Whereas in a 360 shot, when it's one continuous take, we're like, okay, we know, we know he's yeah, there, we yeah. know he's there, we know he's there, we know yeah. he's there. You know, it's easy for humans to to maintain that spatial awareness. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you're watching a movie, look for the mo- the camera movement that breaks that line because it literally happens in like every movie. And whenever I see it, I'm like. Oh, we're getting a new 180. You know what I mean? Like, where is this setting up? Like, you know, uh, and for some reason, I, the movie Bridge of Spies with uh, Steven Spielberg that that movie just pops in my mind because they they move it so much in 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 the in the camera so much to like reset the 180 rule, and it's just 
there's just like four scenes of that movie that really stood <laughs> out to me for some reason. I don't know. I'm sure they do it more in other movies, but that's funny. Um, yeah. um, and then it gets more complicated when you have like multiple people and, and stuff like that. Yeah. But in general, yeah. when you're shooting, you can generally tell like, okay, this makes sense. This makes sense. Yeah. You know? And then it really comes down to editing at that point. Like how do we edit this to make spatial sense to people? And that's yeah. where why the whole idea of like, not, well, one of the reasons why the whole idea of like, okay, here's an establishing shot. Now we can cut in because now everyone's aware. The audience is aware of where people are in a room. So now we can cut in yeah. and, and we'll be all be aware. Like where people the are. Uh, single, single master. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Exactly. like get a two shot and then get over the shoulder. Yeah, you know? exactly. But on the same side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's that's for multiple reasons. Coverage, because it's a tried and true way. Also, because it gives the audience a good sense of you know the space yeah. there's lots of reasons but it's very safe and yeah. it's content forward which yeah. is you know the key to really <laughs> every movie i mean not every movie obviously yeah and in general if you're like working on tv that's probably 90 percent of whatever you do because with tv you yeah, only get a little a broadcast li- yeah right you get a limited time to shoot and you got to give your editor something and TV people, TV showrunners, producers don't like the artsy long stuff necessarily. Yeah. It happens like it happened once in True Detective. That's why it was so yeah. like, oh my god, look at the True Detective show because it just doesn't happen, right? Because that's just not how it goes. Yeah. You, they they want the tried and true safe way because they're spending a lot of money, but they also want the audience to get it. Yeah. Uh, so you know, go with the tried and true. That's why the shot reverse shot is a tried and true thing because it just it's easy to set up lights yeah. around that. It's easy to yeah. film. It works. It works. <laughs> it can be edited really well, yeah. and you can get your, like you said, the single, single master thing. Uh, and it just it just works. Um, I also find it really, really boring because it works so well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well it's so boring because we see it all the time. Yeah. So it's like when you see something new, it's like, whoa, this is neat, you know? Yeah, <laughs> Cause, yeah. Cause but it's, it's, it's not hard just the to same film, old shit. It's hard to film two people talking in an interesting way. It just is. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Stick with the, just the master? Oh, man, yeah. I, 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 Tarantino, Tarantino nails it, man. And not only does he nail it, he nails people sitting down and talking, yeah. which is the hardest thing to film. Yeah. And he does it in every movie, and he nails it every time. Yeah. It's freaking good. This is it. also why the, the uh, rotating table shot or whatever, the, the dolly yeah. table shots work so well because... Yeah. You're constantly moving, and as long as the dolly's moving in the same direction, we generally just know the space. Yeah. You know, because we're yeah. constantly breaking that rule every time, right? <laughs> yeah. Breaking it, but, you know, we're kind of... Yeah. Anyway, um, so I talked about that. So uh, his, his style of editing was actually drawn from Marxist philosophical concepts uh, in which dialectics is thesis so basically there's a, this is like this kind of written equation where it's like dialectics equals thesis and anti antithesis which equals synthesis so for example the bourgeoisie or the czarist people are thesis plus the proletariat which are antithesis equals outcome of classless society revolution etc cetera, etc cetera, which is the synthesis does that make sense yeah okay um, sure. <laughs> Fuck the synthesis. <laughs> Basically, it's like the, the idea that the, the the thesis and the antithesis work together to make the synthesis of like the story in editing terms make make the synthesis of of montage. 
uh, thesis is one shot, antithesis is one shot. Uh, so Eisenstein argued that montage, quote, montage is conflict, dialectic, where, so like I said, thesis and antithesis, where new ideas emerge from the collision of the montage sequence, synthesis, and where the new emerging ideas are not innate in any of the images of the edited sequence. So, and then what he's saying is that the ideas are derived generally from the, like, I mean, he is working to manipulate the audience to feel a certain way, but the audience is going to f- respond however the audience responds, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, essentially. I mean, but he's he's essentially marrying two different things together in order to create an entirely new thing yeah. for the audience to feel. Exactly. Because, like, yeah. if you put, like, let's go back to the cactus thing. If you put, like, a cactus next to it, and then the next shot is, like, uh, a nail poking out of a wo- piece of wood like they're ba- they're basically telling you the same thing so together they're not really doing anything right. for you you like it's they're not yeah it did the not power generally so what Kuleshev and what Hitchcock caught on to right away was that the power of montage really comes with a shot of something and a shot of a human because mm. like that's I mean that's why when you watch stuff that has like say animals as like main characters they're so uh what's the what's that term um they're they're so personified yeah. they're so uh, what the yeah. a the for the stars with a, I, uh, I know what you mean uh but yeah they're, they're so human <laughs> yeah and what they do because we need a, that's that's our foundation right um, we put all of our feelings onto them right exactly and we that's how we relate we relate to the people in the story not to abstract that's why experimental stuff can be hard because if you don't have a human in your experimental film yeah it's hard to relate to what's going on you really have to, right. to think whereas it's immediate when it you know because like, like there's even that experimental short where like it, it's it follows a plastic bag as the main character the plastic bag <laughs> is the main character and it just floats in the wind and it travels but it's personified by Werner Herzog's voice because he okay, plays right. the bag. Oh, there you go. So, like, that's how, that's how we relate to the characters. There was that somehow. movie Rubber. Oh, and Rubber, like yeah. yeah. Oh, Rubber, yeah. <laughs> was yeah, it was a tire. <laughs> uh, was it a telekinetic tire or something? It's funny because that whole movie, though, basically is kind of like a... I mean, the whole point of that film was almost, like... It was to a deconst- Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was... I don't know. Yeah, it just we can all you talk about the crazy theories in that movie that's for sure i know right yeah (laughs) Yeah. um so hitchcock like we've been mentioning was another legendary director who believed that editing was film the crux of it um the essence and really defined cinema as an art form separated separate from you know photography and 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 painting and stuff like that um he did a uh he called or sorry he calls montage quote the assembly of film and that it actually better describes editing than the term cutting. So this is what I was kind of mentioning earlier, where I liked Hitchcock's description of of montage. Because he yeah. uses the term montage in this interview, which is a super good interview. It's like seven or eight minutes uh, segment which of a longer interview. Um, you just type in Hitchcock montage yeah. or whatever into YouTube, you'll find it. Um, and he uses the term montage specifically because... You know, he says cutting implies 
what did he say? It implies uh, not destruction, but it, it implies kind of like like taking something away right. or, or removing something. You're, you're yeah. Um, you're literally right. cutting like it. Clean, yeah. cleaning it up. Yeah, you know, like kind of like uh, if you have a sloppy writer, like an editor would go through and like, you know, oh, you don't need this. You yeah. don't need this. Here's a more succinct story. Yeah, yeah. go. Yeah. Whereas what you're actually doing when you're editing is you're physically assembling film together in a series of shots. So it makes more sense to think of it as assembly or as montage than it does as cutting. But cutting is pretty much synonymous with editing now because, I mean, for a long time, yeah. you just cut film. Yeah, yeah. Tape it together. Literally cut it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so because you are cutting when you're editing, right? But montage also is literally just the French word for editing. Oh. Like that, that is just what mont- where montage comes from. That's true, because, yeah, <laughs> which, in their, which is interesting. In their credits, they say montage, right? Or montage... Yeah. Uh, it's like montage day or do yeah, or something. Or, yeah, like yeah. by... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. And Hitchcock was definitely aware of French cinema. Like, yeah. Very, very time. aware of French cinema. Uh, so nerd. <laughs> if you search for this video, <laughs> he was a nerd though. He really was. Uh, was if you search for this video, you a, can uh, see nippleless nerd. Wait, did, wait, what? Be- did no, cut no off belly nipples? button. Belly button. Oh, no belly button. Yeah, he, belly button he got his nerd. belly button removed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Supposedly. Yeah, I, honestly, that's weirder than getting your nipples removed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Both are pretty weird, but... Question of the... So we always have one I question on the someone, podcast. I can see someone getting their nipples removed, but belly button, that's... How do you even do that? It's it's inside you. Getting you know? your nipples removed? That'd be weird. But uh, how do you get your belly button removed? You have to get it filled. Probably. You can't get it removed unless you have an Audi. I mean... But he has an Audi anymore. He was fat, so... But, like, cause you, you'd have to get some Audi. sort of, like, skin graft or something yeah, you know i don't know man i have no clue how that works <laughs> what a nerd no, what a what fucking a nerd, nerd. Oh, what a weird guy what a weird french nerd <laughs> French. he's british oh. montage no because he likes mon i know he's british because <laughs> of montage french fucking weirdo <laughs> All right, if he says so. <laughs> I, I, uh, yes, I do. All right. That's Jacob's opinion, and he's sticking by it. Yeah, we're um, doing opinions in the middle now. And and at the end. Oh, uh, we'll the get there. We'll get there. Uh, so, okay. So, if you if you look up this video, you'll find an experiment that they, they cut into it. So, they show it. He, he talks about his idea. He talks about three theories of editing, and he uses Psycho for two of, the, of his theories, and uh, uh, himself cut together with some images for the third theory, and the third theory is his is his montage, his Kuleshev montage theory, um, where basically he did a similar experiment where he edited a shot of him first staring at something. It's just a flat face photo uh, image of of uh, Hitchcock staring, and he cut it together first with a woman playing with her baby, and then back to him where he uh, smiles. And then he takes those exact two outer shots and replaces the woman shot with a woman in a bikini. And he states, okay, so if you take the first one with the woman and a baby, and you it, you would read that as, oh, he's happy for them because he's playing with the kid. Whereas if you saw the woman in the bikini and then him smiling, you'd think, oh, that's like a dirty old man. <laughs> like there's a, there's a, yeah. 
there's a assumption that can be made right. by the juxtaposition of the two right. shots, and that's kind of the basis of like his of what he's getting at with montage, right? which he was like a dirty old man. Which he was a dirty old man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. he was, uh, for he sure. He took that, yeah, the video of the woman from his private collection of uh, videography. Most likely. Yeah. Most likely. The kid, he had to go film that, so. <laughs> that was from his private collection as well. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, all right. All right, uh, nipple this man. Let's, uh, let's move on. Oh, man. Um... <laughs> So yeah, so that's he's you know it's a modern it's a more modern uh, description or attempt at the Kulishev yeah. effect, which you know helped, makes a lot of sense and it, it's really basic and it, it gets to the heart of what editing is. The other things he talked about was that like Psycho, um, you have to imply like in the shower scene with Psycho, they weren't able to show a nude woman showering and then being stabbed, right? So they had to imply everything, and he did that with like some insane like 75 or 76 yeah. cuts in 45 seconds where yeah. you don't ever see the blade enter her you don't ever see her like you see her torso but you never see like fully naked woman yeah. right um and you don't like you don't see any like overt violence but we know what happens it's crazy because like people when that came out they thought they saw they you know yeah. knife Inserted into skin, you know, penetration. Yeah. They, they, yeah. they, and they, yeah. and, and nudity. They were, they, 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 they yeah. swear they both saw, you know, they saw those, but yeah, there isn't. Like, there isn't. No. Yeah. It's just, it's really fast cuts of hands, knife moving, yeah. s- screaming her face, a little bit of blood. Yeah. That's it. I love that Hershey's right. syrup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you get the you get some Hershey's going on. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's it, it's interesting because it, it, again, it's it's people. Put it, they put the scene together in their heads and then they like recreate it in their minds. Yeah. Yep. And that is that is what the scene is. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. Um, it's not about what they actually see at all. Um and that's not a fault to the audience at all, because it, it is intentionally made yeah. to get you to think about it in a different way. Totally. In, like that. Yeah. You know. Like use your own brain to to put it together. Totally. Yeah, definitely. Um, the second theory that he talked about was also in Psycho. This is when the detective is walking up the stairs uh, and Hitchcock's explaining. He's like, you know, the audience at this point knows there's a monster uh, and we know he's approaching the monster, but we don't know. And, and the op- and the audience is apprehensive with right. him, right? Yeah. Uh, because we don't know when it's going to pop, yeah. when it's going to pop. That, and that's where the terror is. It's yeah. like that moment, right? So he says, he explains, so the first shot is kind of more of a medium shot of him walking up the stairs. Then it cuts to this extreme high angle. Which I love that. Uh, that which is, is totally, and, and he's using a example that he did that's very atypical for yeah. how you would usually edit, but it, it still works. Um, so it's a, it's a high, uh, high shot looking straight down as he's getting to the top. You see, uh, you know, Bates run out in the mother costume with the knife. Um, you can he has the knife turned in such a way that you can see it. Yeah, and you see him kind of attack the guy. And then the very next shot after that is a close up of the guy's head, big in the screen, and it gets slashed down, and then he falls down the stairs. Yeah, and basically what he's saying is you he used he used the idea of of like like size and like frame size to manipulate and and create a shock moment yeah yeah because there's something about that lot wide cut cut in with an extreme close-up 
that is shocking is like is jarring. It's not something we expect yeah. to happen. That might be my favorite yeah, yeah. like edit sequence in the whole film because like you're with him. It's like that medium shot, and then when you go back up, you're expecting to possibly see whoever right is yeah. up there, and then there there's that the score that awesome like score that yeah and then the, yeah. he comes out or he comes out but he dressed up like his mom right yeah and it's like it just works so well like totally oh it just i don't know it's perfect and all of a sudden it's him falling back on the stairs with his yeah. you know face, and you're like damn like i don't know like yeah it is a super atypical shot i mean i think it's now used more after that Tarantino movie, would love you know that shot. yeah yeah it's um, almost after i think kill bills when he started that one and then every movie since then, the yeah. overhead shot. Yeah, I just, I um, love, yeah. Those, those just it looks cool. Awesome. It's a really yeah. cool, cool style of shot. And then he, de- he uses that shot, exa- exact same shot in Psycho again when uh, Bates is carrying his mother up. Yeah. But you can't tell that it's like a, a skeleton yeah. yet, right? Like, yeah. To- and you can't tell where the voice is coming from. Right, exactly. Either. Yeah. He uses it to hide stuff, right? It's interesting, yeah. too, because like Martin Scorsese is also a very big. Uh, Hitchcock fan and he used it you know in Taxi Driver at the end yep. but he did, he used it instead of showing the violence he used it the after the violence right. so it was like they're all yeah. you know which yeah. was an interesting take on it too that's um, why that shot is talked about a yeah. lot for sure it's a point of you know yeah. basically the God POV shot is yeah. kind of what they described the Scorsese how he uses it and then you look yeah. at it like it's oh sorry what were you going to say oh I was just going to say I it, yeah it's, it's interesting because you see a lot more of the violence, right? You know, right. it's it's not like it's uh, recapping. It's kind of like it it, it 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 flashes by the violence in this in a way that you would expect from a movie, right? And then it's like, hang on, here's what happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I that's why I think for me, violence like the scenes of like the carnage after a battle, I think is more important than actually necessarily just seeing the battle take place you know what i mean yeah yeah like if if you see like just like three four minutes of some dude walking around a battlefield and everyone's all fucked up that's going to actually probably be harder to watch and just see like a quick cut of a guy throwing a grenade a quick guy a guy getting shot a quick shot of you know a tank a quick shot of the other guy throwing another grenade like right you know it's not gonna it's it's violent maybe but it's not as as, it's like abstract versus the realistic aspect of like battles and wars when they die right yeah which is the whole other thing about montage too right (laughs) yeah when, when you see that aftermath shot you're thinking like you're thinking about all these tiny little details, like how did they get into that? Because you don't really see everything, you know. Right. You don't see like all the carnage, you know. Yeah, but yeah. You, you know, and it like paints this picture in your brain of like this person struggled here, or they grabbed the tablecloth and brought it down, and you're like piecing this like yeah. event together that right. you didn't actually didn't actually see. Definitely, yeah, yep. yeah. It's that breathing there's, there's, time. Yeah, yeah, it gives you that breathing time. There's there's one movie, uh, The Great Escape, and I, I watched it at a pretty young age, and there's this scene where they, um, they're, it's kind of like an escape uh, heist, or an escape film? It's, it's kind of, yeah, thinking? yeah, it's an escape film, because they're they're all in, I've seen this they're movie like the, hundreds of the times. Camp. Yeah, they're in, they're in yeah. a POW camp, a Nazi POW yes, camp. Yeah. that's right, that's right. Yeah, and they're escaping, and there's a scene where, a bunch of them are, uh, they were trying to escape on this truck and they got caught and uh, the Nazis like line up to shoot them cause they escaped. 
And instead of cutting to them getting shot or anything like that, it cuts to a wide shot. And it's like a beautiful, gorgeous, like almost, I think it could have been almost silhouetted. I don't think it was entirely silhouetted, but it was like the sun was setting and there's like this single tree up there. And then they had the truck and then like a hill. And it, it just was a really gorgeous shot. And you just hear the gunfire. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you don't even... You don't even see what happens to those characters. Yeah, and th- they were prominent characters. Yeah. they were kind of they they were the more sheep. Uh, like if you, if you're gonna put people in a category of sheep and wolf, they were the more sheep people, and they just got slaughtered. Yeah, like yeah, at yeah. the end, and that like I couldn't sleep that night when I watched that movie because it was <laughs> like this is I kept replaying like this how that actually went down in my in my brain because yeah, yeah. it was like those were like my hero characters you know yeah. so yeah, no, yeah the great escape is such very a very impactful such a fantastic movie yeah it's a great movie but yeah that's kind of like a weird extension of what we're talking about where you're not even seeing what's what's happening but your brain has to work to to kind of piece it together yeah totally and that's like the magic of film is like we do a lot of putting together yeah like a lot of work to watch a movie i mean even the 24 frames thing where not all action is being captured because it's only 24 separate frames of action yeah like that that we do so much to to connect dots and images and everything in movies uh which is you know the unique part of movies right like and what's so weird about film and I, I did a bunch of research for one of our episodes coming up <laughs> we're doing it like December but you know I was just <laughs> doing some pre-research because I was interested um, but back like back in the day with, with film they had um, you know they had like the three um, like uh, gosh I can, cannot think of it but it, it, they had like a wheel um, and there was like three different divot like empty spaces for for them to like fly through each image and they 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 shot each image twice, or I'm sorry, three times on when they're projecting it. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? This I don't is, think this so. is totally yeah. foreign. Um, <laughs> so when you're projecting a movie, right, and you're projecting it, uh, say you want to project it at 12 frames per second, right? If you just had a single opening and a single blank space to switch the film, so like you don't want to see the film switch to the next. Oh thing, right, yeah, right, yeah. If that's at twelve frames a second, our brain would be able to see that 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 blink. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like we we'd see that blink between each frame. So it'd be uh, frame one, we see the shot. Frame two, blink. Frame three is the new shot. You know what I mean? So you, we'd like see that. But they developed this thing where um, they would show the same image three times in a row and just really fast. And uh, everyone's brains then uh, like was able to they like they couldn't see the the the, the blink anymore. Oh, okay. Just because it was like at a certain frame per second, like higher, even though it was still twelve frames a second, they just showed it a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, nice. So it's just kind of a weird little um, yeah thing that our brain does. Um, but those blinks have to happen, so it couldn't be. It couldn't be like a like an empty space and then like a tiny little. We'll talk more about this in our frame rate episode. But it like it has to like blink in order to get that consistency for your brain to like know right. when to block out that the black. So totally, we'll talk about it later. I'll I'll describe it better <laughs> later. But uh, <laughs> but that's just that's just another thing. Like our brains are when we're watching movies. At least when we were watching film. I don't think on digital that's even relevant anymore. 
but back if you go to like a film projector, your brain is still going to work to put together this uh, image um, that that uh, moving image because it is in the end it is all just images. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's sequence. totally just a series yeah. of still images, right? That produce a movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when you're shooting film, anyway. Digital. Wait, what? <laughs> Mine. What? Uh, How does that work? <laughs> oh, Have you ever paused a movie? Gosh. <laughs> Have you ever paused a movie? <laughs> oh, I thought it was like these little creatures that were inside my TV that would like <sighs> you know project. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow, I didn't. No, know. no, I. The, the, those are the same gnomes that steal your socks, little Jimmy, little Brian, little Brian. Uh, so what's taking all my stuff from my refridge? What the hell? No. Uh, that's your that's your drunk father. <laughs> yeah, he he lives with me. <laughs> oh my god! Oh god! Uh, all right, so what do we think? What do we think about the films here? Um, let's get some impressions. Let's get some reviews. Let's get some impressions. Okay, I'll start because I normally go last, so I'll start with this one. Um, <laughs> strike. Hard to watch. Tough to watch. The uh, the restoration quality of the Blu-ray that I had was not the best. Um, so it was. It was hard to hard to sit through. Dude, the Blu-ray uh, restoration on YouTube was really good. Yeah, that's that's. Actually. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Why did I watch that? They were both I, on YouTube. I ordered it off of DVDNetflix.com, and fuck, dude, it was like I could barely, honestly, I could barely see like what was even like freaking happening because uh, the it for some reason like. Whoever restored this version of the Blu-ray, they had sharpened it. You know that sharpen tool? Um, So that sharpening tool was there. So, like, any edge had, like, a nice black line and a white line to it. And it was like, this is just not the best (laughs) restoration quality. Shit. Um, So it was hard for me to get into just because of that. Um, It's really hard. I I really like the cross-cutting stuff. I think that was really... Uh, cool and 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 modern, um, and the Soviet montage stuff obviously is super rad. But uh, yeah, it's just hard to get into. Um, but Battleship Potemkin, man, shit was like, I was I was like feeling it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and obvi- nice. obviously because they were uh, you know, they, it's all based on you know trying to get you to feel stuff. But I was totally feeling that movie when I was watching it, and I don't know if I've ever done that with this old of a movie you know kind of with with hell's angels i was feeling it a little bit but uh not like this man and i i had seen the the carriage scene before and um it has a greater impact watching the whole movie because i didn't really give an ass uh i didn't really give a shit about it you're talking about the odessa steps about the odessa yeah Yeah. sorry yeah the odessa scene i was just like that's kind of neat how they did that um but uh, now it's like, oh, okay, like I get it now. You know, well, watching the rest of the movie, like piecing it all together, yeah. really was helpful because I had only seen that scene before. Yeah, well, that scene, so. if you watch it out of context, is kind of like you get what's happening, but you don't understand why it's happening. Yeah. So you're kind of like, well, okay. Yeah, and it, it's weird because how it's edited, like it's it it um it feels like they're uh, if you watch it out of context, it feels like it's like breaking continuity and like it's like the stairs are like the endless you know what i mean um but when you watch it with the movie you realize that it's not about the continuity of it at all 
And because, like, the rest of the movie is like that. So it kind of, like, works better as the part four of this movie than it does on its own. Totally. Because I feel like that sequence gets shown as an example for stuff without any preparation as to like because it gets shown to modern day people like yeah. us right where yeah. we have a concept yeah. of a movie like you said with continuity and then they show this sequence so we're like uh okay <laughs> yeah and we we relate to it as it pertains to continuity yeah you know exactly um which is irrelevant <laughs> and would if you watch the rest of the movie which i don't i don't know why the fuck we didn't watch the rest of that movie in in my film class but uh we should have Someone fucked up. I don't know who it was. I can't remember which professor. You know, I think, one of you WWU professors. I think it was... Fucked uh, up. Call wasn't it out. the theater guy, the crazy dude? Uh, Mills? Oh, Perry Mills? The dude that was there before oh, I could take Mills. a class? Oh, actually, it, I did take a class with Perry Mills. It may oh. have been Perry Mills. <laughs> yeah, because I thought you might have been in my class. Damn it, that. dude. I, oh, I... Oh. Cause were I, we in the same with, class for that? With Corey Volk? So jealous. Uh, maybe... I, was it in um, the big auditorium? It was the one in Old Main Theater. Old Main Theater. Oh yeah, yeah. I think we. Oh, yeah, I, think, I bet we were. In I the think same we were class. in the same class because I think it was. Oh, it weird. was me, Ben, Corey, I think Kyle, and you. I thought maybe. Byron remembers because he was checking yeah, you out the whole time. <laughs> yeah. You like my. Uh, you like my uh, my stride. Yeah. Well, my, so my... I, you know, I liked your beard, but now that you don't have a beard, I don't know. I know I shaved it off. I'm going fresh, going clean. Dude, you know? I'm jealous though. Too many bearded men around. You know. I heard stories about that dude, guy. And I never got to crazy, take dude. his class. I took I think two or three classes with him. Dude, the guy was fucking nuts. Dude, but got, I loved like, his class. He quit or got like fired. Like the yeah, year, dude. like the year I came in was like the year he wasn't there. But he was, he was, um, he was, uh, what's the word? A professor's been there, uh, uh tenure. Yeah, he was tenured. Oh, so he wants to just quit. Yeah, something. he, I think he just was done. Like, yeah. he just was, he, that's why he, they couldn't he, get he, rid of him. Man, he would go on these rants he about the, took the, a lot of heat. Yeah, he would go on these rants about the political nature of Western itself. Hell yeah. And he wasn't even, he wasn't even allowed to go in Viking Union. Like, they had, like, a restraining... <laughs> like, they had, like... No, I'm serious. Dude. They had, like, a restraining, like, order thing where he he wasn't allowed inside Viking Union. Can we have so this guy his, on the So his office... No. His, fuck his, no, dude. his office was in Haggard Hall. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> Which is ironic as fuck. Haggard there was, Hall. There's no one has an office in Haggard Hall. It, it was a closet. And the custodians actually took over that closet after he moved. That's unfortunate. That is amazing. That they were like, yeah. tried so hard to push him out and they couldn't because he was 10 years. Yeah, well, so what he found out, it, well, the reason why he he got found, well, he, so he unearthed people taking money, stealing money from the university that worked at, at Western. He uncovered Whoa. this like ring, right? And uh, the FBI got involved in everything. This was, I think, in the... What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, this was, I think, in the 80s or 90s. What? Yeah, yeah. How did so, I never hear so about this? This is, this is a long time ago, though. So he unearthed this thing, and he brought it wow. out to the light, and ever since then, like, he just was basically fucking, like, you know, He was outed. taking a va- yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then he probably changed and was like, I don't give a shit about this yeah. university. I'm just gonna get my money. Right. And then retire, Dude, the, the, but the guy was fucking crazy. Man. He was telling me that downtown Bellingham, him and his buddies, uh, they staged like this thing where they it was all staged where they had they had their buddy at the mail at the post office waiting in line 
to drop off his mail, and there's like you know they decided to do this at the at the busiest time of the of the day, and him and his buddies ran in wearing like turbans and stuff, and like grabbed <laughs> grabbed their <laughs> grabbed their buddy, put like a bag over his head, and like grabbed him, and like got into this van and drove off. Oh my God. Like in the middle of fucking, the, like in the middle of the day. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> That's fantastic. Just that crazy, is so weird. Shit. Crazy shit like this, but like he's like this. Was, oh he's gosh. like now you would get shot at, you know, like oh, totally. you know. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say if he did that anywhere besides Bellingham, yeah, he would get shot. Like, yeah. <laughs> but like he did, he did this like in the eighties, and like there was one time like he was talking about how he. He, him and his wife dressed up in like full like Saudi Arabian kind of like dress up and walked around Bellis Fair when Bellis Fair first opened and he had like this crazy like sword like this Arabic sword that he had oh and my he was God, like dude. he was like escort, he was like escorted out of the, the mall and then like <laughs> then there was like this bus of tourists from like Japan or something that were there, Jesus. and they all came up and they started like taking photos of them. It's just like, oh, like but there was, but but it was only the males because like because they or no they they brought no the the they brought the females out uh, to to talk to him and take pictures of him because the females if he was if he was dangerous they'd rather have the the females die than the males i don't know it was just crazy the way he described these stories though were just absolutely hilarious the guy was oh and he had one fucking eye well he had two eyes but yeah, one yeah. eye he had a fake eye yeah uh, one eye was just like it's all distorted and stuff it was just nuts dude man. we gotta have this guy on the podcast if he's still alive dude if he's still alive no, fuck no i'd love it oh all I remember about, <laughs> I those it. are those are all amazing stories but <laughs> all i can remember from this guy was did wait? Did you have another story? No, no. I'm just thinking it would be brilliant that if we could, if he, if if we could get him on the podcast, it would awesome. be the best. Okay, okay. Well, all all I remember is that there was one day of class, and he started. Uh, he picked out some random woman in 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 <laughs> our class. And started like <laughs> slut shaming her what? Like, for the whole yeah. class, and she eventually got up and left. And it was like, "What the fuck, man!" Like, yeah. And at that point, like, I thought he was funny, and I, I thought he was like a good dude. But then after that, it was just like, "Who? What the fuck?" Like, like she obviously <laughs> left like pissed off, and like I don't know why he like singled out a single person and and made fun of them. No, I, know, I, for, I remember like, this. I remember this. So. Right, you remember that? Yeah. So what happened? We were in the same class. Yeah. Then. So so what happened though? This is how I remembered it. She had missed her final, one of the finals, because she was sick. And he said to her something to the effect of, "Uh, because you, like, I forget how it was. I forget exactly how the the exact details of it. But it was something he basically called her out saying." why do you think you're better than everybody else? Everybody else who had who was sick, who couldn't do the final, has to do these steps. I'm not going to do anything special oh. for you. And it, it started off from that. That's kind of how I remembered it. But 
then again, I, I was, remember it starting there, but I remember him saying some pretty fucked up. No, he shit, he too. did. He he was yeah. he went out a little. He went too far. He went too far. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but yet she wasn't in the right either. But yet it didn't constitute what he said back to her. You know, like oh fuck, like no. it, it was really crazy. And because that made the Western Front and everything too. Because he was put, yeah yeah he was put on leave. I think after that and yeah. That was yeah. So then they pushed him out finally. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was well, an, he mean, was an interesting dude. Yeah. God. Even even if you're you can't just call it your student during class. No, but then yeah. It's another thing to to like say things about how someone is dressed during class. Right. You know what right. I mean? Like that's oh, totally. extremely yeah, yeah. inappropriate. Oh yeah. he, totally. I mean totally unprofessional. He was definitely yeah. from the school of like very I don't know, very old school i guess school of crazy yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i think there were some things it, though that he yeah. said that were definitely people were too uh, offended by um yes like th- yes. there was some things i'm like dude you guys have to know where this guy's coming from like if you and then like, didn't he yeah. like have you guys only watch like old movies yeah yeah like, like the, or, the there, yeah only old stuff i yeah. think i think the, the stuff the the newest stuff that he had us watch was like from the 80s because he had a big thing against uh he had a big thing for ellen barkin <laughs> so like we watched like three ellen barkin films <laughs> yeah yeah there's there's a there's there's a point where i think you can understand where someone's coming from but then that person needs to understand where all of his entire student base is coming from. Right, and right. And he needs to cater to us. You know what I mean? Yeah, there was definitely a uh, disconnect with a lot of people. There is. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, like, I, when I was in the class, I considered myself one of the ones who was, like, um, thought most things were funny that he said. Oh, yeah, know, same here, same it, here, same know? here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but as far as, like, speaking to the collective, I think most people were just fucking pissed off yeah 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 for sure you know what i mean like they were like Uh, but yeah yeah. there's a couple times including the slut shaming thing where i was like that's really not yeah because it makes it just made you have that weird six feeling to your stomach you know yeah yeah Yeah. it was just like i don't like like this now we have to sit here after that yeah exactly it was weird yeah i left actually i i took off i was like i'm out of here like i'm not (laughs) i'm not i'm not doing this yeah we definitely that's not it was like a three-hour class or some shit too it was a long class damn yeah, I think that's actually why I left. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob stayed for the slut shaming left because the class was too long. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, the class can't get any better than that. I've got some nice yeah. drama in the middle of the course. We, and... watched, we, we watched some really good films in that movie, yeah. though. I want to say, well, we watched uh, Pandora's Box. We watched M, or no, Metropolis. We watched uh, Zardoz, right? I don't know if we were in the same class, man. <laughs> Shit. But, oh, but, but you know what? I took two classes with him, so maybe I'm getting those confused. Oh, maybe yeah, they did. Because sure. I, don't, I don't remember Metropolis um, or the other two that you mentioned. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen Metropolis, huh. so we'll go watch that. But yeah. Me too. Uh, so, Jacob, um, yeah. you said you like Battleship Potemkin more than Strike then? Mostly because oh, of the viewing. Uh, Honestly, I think the, the viewing got in the way for me. Uh, but I think if... I were to guess, looking past the uh, horrible restoration quality of the Blu-ray that I had, um, I think I would enjoy uh, uh, Potemkin more, um, okay. just because of its... Um, it's just a better movie, <laughs> you know? It's just... It's it's more interesting. Um, the, the story itself, I think, is 
I mean, the, the both stories are pretty much the same. Like they're kind of the same movie. They're pretty yeah. similar. They're, they're pretty yeah, similar. They're, they're kind of they're the yeah, same they're story. They're the same like topic, like really, like yeah. yeah. Like the the, yeah, the overthrow genre. of the like the struggling yes. class overthrowing the people who are not struggling, which is the whole yeah. yeah. And w- one thing I loved about um, uh, Strike over Battleship is the ending. Like I love the ending of Strike. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. Just because it's so grim, you know, um, and just the you know the slaughtering of the and I just I love shit like that. You They're know? just like carnage. Defeat. Yeah, it's just carnage and it's just <laughs> gross. Yeah, um, so yeah, I would I would say Battleship over that. But as far as the ending goes, I would say Strike over Battleship. I would say I like Strike better, and I think there's a like two or three different reasons why. One, I've seen Battleship Potemkin like maybe three, four times now, whereas Strike this was my second time. So I think because. It had only been my second time, and I hadn't seen it for quite some time. I was like, oh, I, I'm, I'm kind of getting into this now. Like, I, I had forgotten a lot of it, and, you know, I actually forgotten that that was the film that ended with that sequence. Yeah. I had completely forgotten about that part. So yeah. I was like, oh, right on. This is that film. I remember this now. Like, there were some parts that I remembered before, you know, and stuff, but I don't know. So I think part of it was kind of almost like the rediscovering it is why I liked it so much because I had seen Battleship Potemkin, you know, like I said, three or four times. Um, and that's not including all the times where I've had to just sit through the Odessa sequence, which, you know, it's a fantastic sequence. It's, you know, it's one of those ones, though, because I've seen it emulated so many times in different films, yeah. like Brian De Palma's it, it, Untouchables. Like, I'm yeah. just like, I everything now for me, it, I it, it, it because I know it's one of those huge influential movies, I... I just didn't quite get into it as much as I it, did Strike. Yeah, it kind of it kind of lessens it. Like it takes the uh, it takes the surprise away right, a little bit. Right. Like it takes the yeah yeah. So I th- like you're not as like whoa. I think yeah. I think and that thing's yeah. the biggest thing for me is with Strike because I'd only seen it the one time like, God, six years ago at the earliest. Uh, I was almost kind of watching it again for the first time, and that that surprise factor made the ex- whole experience just more enjoyable for me. And I liked, I like, I just, I liked seeing more of like r- the Russian people and stuff <laughs> kind of yeah. doing their thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think maybe it was just maybe cause I watched it, you know, the day I watched it, you know, I, I maybe if I watched it, you know, a year from now, maybe I'd like Potemkin better, but you know, just from this. And I do like the fact that it was more grim and, you know, yeah. more yeah, like, yeah, because the ending yeah. was freaking awesome, yeah, and it was like whoa, definitely, that's cool, and like yeah. as and for a first film, I mean, whoa, crazy, like, crazy, yeah, yeah, I don't know, I'm just kidding, yeah, it was good <laughs> for a first film, <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty fucking good. Man. That's kind of that's just where I stand, but yeah, I can see why Potemkin. I mean, like because it's such more, it's more of like kind of a movie, you know. Yeah, it's more of a, it's less experimental. Yeah. It's more um, accessible to, to people, yeah. I think, for, as far as a uh, you know twenties yeah. Russian film goes for yeah. accessibility. <laughs> yeah, and like I think I also like the score better for Strike, at least the version that I watched. Yeah, I thought honestly because I've heard so much about these movies, the score for both of them completely was like understated in, in in everywhere like i feel like the score is like a huge part of both of these movies yeah i feel like people aren't talking about that yeah especially at the what end of the strike score? like the end of strike when the score just cuts off and then it's just the dome yeah dome. yeah i love that yeah dome. Yeah. Dome. yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. And then it just ends. <laughs> yeah, it kind of just ends. The, yeah. yeah. There's no there's no credits. There's no bullshit. It ends with like a almost like a propaganda film like style to it. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? totally. Which it was. Um, it's a which propaganda it was, yeah. Soviet silent film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just a really interesting. Uh, yeah. Like how come? Yeah. I people should talk about the scores of these movies more. I think. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Well, because scores for silent films in general are kind of more just accompaniments as opposed to things that are part of the film. You know, like it's hard to talk about a silent film score because it's not designed for the film necessarily. Yeah, it's funny because there's so many times where the scores are so different. Like, I mean, like I have the Phantom of Phantom Carriage film by uh, Theodore Dreyer. Um on Criterion and it has like four different soundtracks that you could listen to yeah, um, yeah. and it's cool because it's different based on where you're yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's just cool because like they like when you're watching the film it's like the film is the same yet it feels a little different because the scores are different like I think my favorite one is actually a new score that they did for it where it's like this experimental uh, electronic score which is really cool um, yeah it, it, but it's that. set to this you know 19... 19- 20s or 1917 or some shit film it's just it, it, the the yeah it, that's super it, weird it, yeah it that's works cool. so it works so wow. so well um but yeah uh and then like if we talk about wings like the first time i watched it I, I saw that film live at the paramount theater so uh you know screened on you know film and then i had there was a guy who played organ music it was just an organ as oh, the cool. film was playing and it was fantastic and the guy would even do like machine gun sounds with like the, oh, the cool. just like insane shit and then when yeah, I watched he'd like it, throw sound design in there yeah too. he was yeah kind of, kind of like uh, Potemkin had like sound design right within the like, com- composition yeah, yeah, yeah so it was just yeah. incredible and then when I checked the VHS out from the library um, you know y- you know a year or two later it wasn't the same movie because the score wasn't as yeah. good you know, yeah. that's um, the thing about the remastered versions too. Is I, you, I mean, they change the score all the time. They redo right. it. Yeah, you know, something similar but redone with a yeah. better, better track and different and different instruments. It's crazy. Like that. So it's always hard to tell with score and stuff like that too. Because did they redo it? Are we listening to the yeah. original? Is it a right. remake of the original? There was, there. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. When I went to the. Telluride Film Festival student symposium thing they had a guy he was one of the speakers he's one of the most world renowned um, uh, silent film uh, uh, musical composers slash players so like he his, his job is going around to all the different film festivals you know throughout the world playing um, you know films or music for silent films um and he was kind of telling us just about like all the work that's involved in the history you know going to the cinematheque in paris and and reading manuscripts of like what people remembered the film sounding like and then it's his job trying to recreate through words from just from reading it what it could have sound like because you know a lot Ah. of this because you know a lot of the time these films the 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 scores were never recorded you know, because right, it was right. the films were all played by a live orchestra. You know, so it's crazy, crazy shit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, oh, so I guess I had to say. Yeah, yeah. What was what was your favorite? So, 
Um, yeah, one zero one zero one zero 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 one. So, I this is kind of odd, actually. <laughs> I agree with Byron, but for Jacob's reasoning, and now we're being flipped off by Jacob. <laughs> Is that the world's smallest middle finger violin? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> okay, children, settle down. Yes, Dad. Okay. Oh, God. That sounds. Oh so wait, funny. you're the mom. Sounds you're so the mom. Funny. I forgot. Mother. 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 What does mommy think of these movies? I love that in those interviews for mother they uh, they interviewed like Jennifer Lawrence and and Aronofsky and uh, Bardem. And the first question they always ask is, so if I'm at the ticket counter ordering the ticket for Mother, how do I say it? And then they each have a different way of saying it. Like, Aronofsky was like, Mother! (laughs) (laughs) He was like, can I get a ticket for Mother? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hey, he's got that exclamation mark. I mean, it has to count for something. Who knows what that means? Yeah, Uh, No, okay, so uh, I agree with Byron for Jacob's reasoning. So... I like Strike more, and I think part of what it was was the Potemkin one I watched was horrible quality, where the Strike one was a really, really well-done remaster. (laughs) So it kind of helped in that. But I actually felt more interested in Strike. I I, I don't know. like I wasn't in the mood, really, the mindset to watch either one of these. So like (laughs) coming out of it, it's kind of like, uh... But I think Strike, towards the end especially, like, you know, part four, or five, six, or whatever. When yeah, when the yeah. when they start really and like the hoses come out, yeah, and like they're being chased by the police, and then there's that ridiculous sequence where there's like four stories that they're yeah. filming at one time, and there's cops on fucking horses, and they're all fighting each other, and they're dropping in the and baby, they, they fucking drop the kid, dude, <laughs> yeah. out of nowhere, like. That's why. Um, that's why Byron liked it. I think he's just like, yeah. If it has infant death the, in it, yeah. The kid, yeah, the kid death in Potemkin, not not great. Nah, nah, I mean, it was pretty yeah. good. I pick it over other movies. Not kid young death enough. in Strike though. Yeah. Fucking phenomenal. <laughs> Fuck the baby yeah. carriage, man. It was about the dropping of the baby. Uh, yeah, like why does the baby need a cushion when it dies? Yeah. That should have been a rock carriage. Yeah, you know? a bunch of rocks in it. Oh my god. Uh, no, but that's an, it's interesting to see how. Uh, that's kind of cool because I was actually kind of well no I lie <laughs> it wasn't cool um, it was it wasn't cool well no 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 I meant I was gonna I was gonna say, I was gonna say I was actually kind of expecting Jacob to give me like a throw a curveball and say that he liked strike better yeah um but but then the more I thought about it the more I didn't think that he would but yeah. so it was actually how i kind of thought because i kind of figured is, that you and i would probably strike, strike is better strike the, the curveball in this uh, scenario yeah i think he's saying that I, I, he thought you were gonna like strike and that would be the curveball yeah oh you thought i'd curveball yeah because because I, I knew that you would like potemkin better so i was like well maybe he's gonna oh, maybe oh, he's gonna yeah, throw yeah. a curveball um but the, your reasoning your reasoning behind it though wasn't what i was expecting but it makes sense oh my gosh okay so this i I see where you're coming from. Really quick. We need to... Yes, this will be fast. We need to start a new way of doing this at the end. (laughs) We need to write down on a card before which one we think the other two are going to like more. 
And then we need to, after we all talk about it, we need to reveal. Oh, what it is. okay. That, that, like, I think yeah. we should try that for the next episode because right. I think that would be freaking hilarious. Yeah. 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 We should do well, it. The well, next one the is next Blade episode? Runner and Blade yeah. Runner 2049. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, that's going to be tough, we, man. Uh, we should do it. We should do it. Well, you haven't even seen but it. You guys have. Even, I know, but the thing is. It sucks. The thing what is, it it's not going to suck. And because Blade Runner <laughs> is seriously one of my. It's not, though. Blade Runner is like my to- one of my top 10 favorite films of all fucking time. This film is considered already is being considered a masterpiece in the sci-fi genre, and it's by Dene Villeneuve. Like he is fucking fantastic film director. Like Blade Runner, dude, it's gonna be (laughs) no. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the Star Wars uh, franchise. Yeah, fuck Star Wars. Blade Runner, fuck Star Wars. Blade Runner is where it's at. Is it uh, Blade Runner a Star Wars story? What I heard was that Blade Runner uh, ripped off Star Wars. Fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah, I heard. Uh, I heard Blade Runner was just like a lesser oh, version God. of Star Wars. It was like Get for the out. kids who couldn't afford Star Wars. Oh, Jesus Christ! Hans, or, uh, like, fucking uh, Harrison Ford said it was the worst movie he ever worked on. <laughs> yeah, but like the Harrison Ford action figure in Blade Runner was like four dollars, but the Han Solo one was like forty bucks. So it's the it's the poor kids. It was like the <laughs> screw Han Solo. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, I, I I've seen Blade Runner once, Blade Runner once, so I'm I'm interested to revisit it. And but you have to revisit, dude. Like seriously, if you're gonna revisit, you have to watch like all the fucking versions. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna watch all the fucking versions. Do it because they are all I'm different. Watch one version. All right, quickly. What are what are all the versions? Okay, so there's there's the director's there's, cut. There's the theatrical. Well, so the, there's the theatrical cut. Okay, actually, no. There's a cut that was released before the theatrical cut. And it only went out to like some audiences. It's like a screener version, and it doesn't even have um, so like like any movie. Well, yeah, really. and it doesn't even have yeah. uh, the Vangelo score to it. Um, it has it's all temp music, and so it's very interesting yeah. because it does contain shit that's not in the theatrical version. Theatrical version they they cut it after they show the audiences. Yeah, and... even though I want to say it's shorter, but it still has stuff that the other ones don't. So then the theatrical yeah. cut has the weird Harrison Ford. Uh, narration and it does have some scenes in there or like cuts and stuff that are different than the director's cut which came out in the 90s early 90s 1992 so for 10 years everybody knew of the theatrical version right and then the director's cut came out and it has some scenes in there that are different and the ending is different the ending is more grim because the ending of the theatrical version ends with uh deckard harrison ford and rachel in a car and they're kind of they've left and they've kind of escaped or whatever together um now i don't think i've seen that version so yeah so then the director's version it has the version i believe where it ends with you kind of questioning whether or not he is a replicant you know it has yeah it it also has the version of the unicorn the unicorn sequences in there yeah he okay that's the one i've seen and he has the origami uh unicorn figure that he sees on the desk and stuff like that so it has some of some of that stuff and then the final cut is basically just like the director's cut except they redid some of the effects um and some of the audio um and they uh actually took out a few um like i want to say they cut out like three minutes of it of the film Oh, interesting. But they just kind of cleaned cleaned it up a little. I bit. cleaned it up a little bit, yeah. Cool. It, yeah. So it's different, but yeah. But I've seen all, the final cut, I think. Yeah. So the final cut is like kind of the. I think. Yeah. It's the it's the one that's like the most like 
polished. My favorite, I think, is the director's cut, just because it's there's nothing redone about it, right? Like it's all. But I, but I, yeah. it's, it's it's like Star Wars before George Lucas decided to you right, know, right. All but the, yeah, yeah, like he uh, liked the original, yeah. and, with all of its charm. But yet the yeah. the director's cut though, the the little things that they did right, is so little yeah. that it's almost identical to the director's cut. Oh, okay, kind the of fi- oh, the gotcha. final yeah. cut, you mean. yeah, or the final yeah. cut, yeah. So like, okay. I think I'll yeah. probably watch that one when yeah for and our, I want to because we're, we're doing Blade Runner next week, yeah. Because right? yeah. I want to say they're all on Netflix besides the screening version I think oh I hope so because I need to watch it oh are they really I think so yeah at least they were they were but that was maybe a month ago oh I don't know if they're on there anymore I think they pulled it because of 2049 they wanted people to rent it and pay for it pay for it yeah it wouldn't surprise me because I've I've looked for it and I cannot find it except on the Netflix DVD you know what no no I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix still at least one version I think Ah, it was on there for a while it was on there for a while uh, I will look. I will look. So just to bring it all back around, yeah, I like Strike more. The ending to Strike totally just is amazing. But the, o- the, the Odessa sequence is absolutely amazing as yeah. well, um, and I can understand why I get studied. Uh, the rest of Potemkin, even though it's generally considered a better film, you know, I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't grab me as much as, uh, as Strike did. Um, but, yeah, so I would pick Strike. Uh, so that leaves Jacob as the odd man out again. I'm the odd man out again. What? what uh, oh, last week I picked Hoop Dreams. Yeah, no, I would have guessed not Hoop Dreams for both of you on that one. Yeah. What, what did we do before that? Oh, was that when I was gone? That was when you were gone yeah. for like four for like weeks. three or four. Yeah. Yeah, I was gone for a whole month. <laughs> it is not on Netflix, by the way. I'm no, it's not. It's Damn. Mobile app right I now. See, I knew it. Now you guys are the. Wait, I'm still the odd man now. <laughs> wait, fuck. Damn it. <laughs> Uh yeah, you're the you're the weirdo. Oh guy. man, I cannot wait. I'm seriously, right. I I don't know if I'm gonna be, even be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> Shut the no, fuck. I'm dead serious. I you guys have no idea how long I've been waiting for this movie. Just get your get your ice cream. You know, oh, get, I can't what, wait. What is it? What, Not you guys, you, oh, guys, you like mint chocolate chip? You're one of those. No, right? I like okay, okay. I like mocha or coffee ice cream. I like licorice Ugh. ice cream. Licorice ice cream Ugh. is my favorite. <laughs> licorice? licorice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Black licorice yeah. or uh, red licorice? Black, black, black licorice. I guess both of those sound pretty weird. good. So, I don't know why I needed a smooth <laughs> No, I love it. And then I love mint chocolate chip. I like cookies and cream. And I also like cookie dough. Okay, those are normal. Oh, cookie, cookie yeah. dough. Cookie dough is the only normal one in there. Cookies and cream, okay. is it normal? Cookies and cream is oh, like standard. Oh, no, that's normal. What about mint chocolate, chocolate, chocolate chip? That's good, too. Oh, no, fuck no. That shit's gross. Oh, okay, and I do, I, do, I, do, I do like vanilla, too. Vanilla's pretty good. Vanilla and that's, vanilla bean. Those are good. That's very basic of you. Yeah. It's very basic. Actually, and I, uh, I, basic Brian. Dude, there's so much fucking ice cream <laughs> mint, that I like. Mint Oreo is where it's at. Mint Oreo is mint good, Oreo. yeah. Or Oreo, and, yeah, is good. Yeah. But it's almost like cookies and cream. Cookies and cream is just the yeah. standard. Yeah. is the go-to. Or Oreo is good because it, it's got the chunkies. Yeah, know? I like the chunkies. The chunkies. Yeah. You want the chunkies, yeah. Wait, but what are dibs? Do they do they make those? Because I have to maybe try and get that. Oh no, you gotta try. You gotta get dibs anymore. Okay, someone has dibs somewhere. Just get them and sneak them in. Okay. Or they probably have them at the theater. I imagine. No, they don't have dibs at the theater. Are you sure? They might not advertise it, but they might have. I don't know if they even have ice cream. I'll have to. I'll have to Google it and see. Then again, you can get a you can get a full fucking dinner at the theater now. So yeah, they have all sorts of hamburger. Yeah, Uh, they have a shitty pizza you can get for forty (laughs) dollars. 
It's a little uh, your own pie. Some and it's pizza. It's, uh, six <laughs> inch pizza. pizza. <laughs> Hamburglar. Pizza. Uh, <laughs> uh, <the> Hamburglar. <laughs> uh, okay. It's a good meal. All right. To uh, stick to what we said we're going to do, which is push it down to two hours, we are ending it right here. Oh, right. I'm right calling on. it. Goodbye. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, so. If you have any questions, topic suggestions, opinions, or if you have any fact corrections, send an email to btbfilmspodcast at gmail.com. We're always trying to learn new things, so we'd love to hear from you. You can also visit our Facebook page and join our group to comment on or discuss this week's episode or past episodes. All of our episodes can be found on iTunes and at soundcloud.com slash btbfilms. If you like the show, please rate it and leave a comment on iTunes because it helps move us up the list on iTunes so others can find us. And do what Keith says. Please. Please don't please. don't just sit there and listen to this podcast. We put in work. Go go rate us five stars. Come on, pull your weight. I'll even take three, but five would be wonderful. Yeah, I I will take one. I'll take I will take I would literally take, anything. I will take two point nine five. Two. Supposedly, any rating gets you noticed. So let's just try. Let's just just go. If you listen to us, just go do it, please. It helps us. I wonder so if much. we have. We're any even writing questions or you know write questions and stuff. Looked. What? Or even have them like you know have people like just write questions to us you know yeah that'd be dope yeah or just write into the show like we want to hear from the people who are listening so just please 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 just anything yeah anything yeah yeah Seriously. even if it's all hate to Jacob <laughs> even even if it's all it's like hey you should have picked strike you know? <laughs> let me know you idiot let me know <laughs> you dumbass pick strike that's obviously the more well received and more studied film of the two. But it's not though, is it? It's clearly no, the it's, more mature, op- the more mature option. <laughs> it's, yeah, I am the most mature person on the podcast. I, I think we can confirm that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh man, uh, I'm married. I'm the only married one. <laughs> somehow you got married. Somehow, <laughs> so much. <laughs> Byron can't breathe. <laughs> He's I, almost, I had to seriously take forever to swallow. Now my stomach hurts. <laughs> you guys are so easily easy to entertain. Uh, Just make fun noises. In the He's head. easily entertained. I'm laughing to <laughs> him for it's laughing. Yeah. I, oh yeah. My humor when it comes to farts and poop is very, very, <laughs> very uh, uh, childish. Oh my, God. my whole family. <laughs> whole family is like it's that. childish, like almost yeah. sitting on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I thought those gifts were hilarious. <laughs> uh, you should look at that gift that we split in the group oh my chat God. or whatever. Oh, God. All That's right. just how I picture you taking a dump. <laughs> <laughs> the second one. Um, uh, so the second one. <laughs> our intro and outro music was composed by oh God. <laughs> Elmo. <laughs> no, Elmo. I've used that, the Elmo ones. <laughs> Um, okay, so our intro and outro music was composed by Curtis Skinner, who can be found at skinnyproducing.com. Skinny. No. Skinny. Skin. E. Skin. For the next podcast, you should write a rap. And just rap about him. Skin. Yeah, skinny, skinny, skinny. Can't you see? Sometimes your sounds just hypnotize me. <laughs> or plagiarize someone else's lyrics. 
Uh, nope, that was a Weird Al uh, cover. Oh. Uh, a Weird Al cover? Yeah. Oh my god. So I guess that would be plagiarism. Though. Weird Al Plagiarizing cover. the guy that essentially parodied. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, yeah. he didn't plagiarize, he parodied. It, yeah, no, that was a parody of... The highest um, form of comedy. A parody yes. of a parody. <laughs> yeah, it was a parody of a parody. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, next week we're going to be covering... We're doing a Blade Runner special, so we'll be doing Blade Runner... Okay, since there are so many versions, we do need to agree on one version to watch, actually. Let's just do uh, I'm, the final... I'm doing whatever is I would just say the final one. cut, Do right? the final cut. Yeah. Right. That's I, don't, I don't think we're going to watch the theatrical I so, so i think if it's the director's cut or the final e- cut then either one fine. would be okay. fine because they're so so similar okay. but as long as we know that you know oh yeah. i watch the theatricals is way different okay yeah. so we're all on the yeah. same page yeah. all right so the director's or final cut is what we'll be watching for anyone listening watch one of those two um and then we're going to do blade runner 2049 so if that's something you do want to watch try and watch it before the episode or because uh, we're going to Spoil We're everything. probably going to spoil the crap out of it for uh, so sure. So yeah. watch before the episode if you care about spoilers, or listen to the episode if you don't care about spoilers. Uh, but yeah, that'll or, be that one. Or don't do either of those things, but then give us five stars. <laughs> <laughs> or do that. Just go give us five stars. Just at least yeah. do that. Like, don't don't watch the movies. Just go give us five stars. And then... Please. The week after that, uh, we have it planned already, too, because we're going to have our first guest on... Hell uh, yeah. And we're going to be talking about King Kong 1933 and... Skull Island, I think, are the two. Yeah. Um, so these were chosen by the guests. Um, and, yeah, so it'll be an interesting, interesting, fun time, yeah. I think. Um, yes, and we will reveal the guest on the episode. So you won't even know. You won't even <laughs> know. Can't look him up, suckers. Can't look him up. Oh, did you say who the guest is? No. Oh, yeah. See? You gotta wait. You gotta wait for the You guest. gotta listen to the episodes to find out. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta listen to every... Uh, the first letter of every word uh, on on every ten minutes of the episode, and we spelled out the 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 name of the guest. <laughs> I actually did in my script, though. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah Subliminal Keith, messaging. Keith knows how this works. He gets how it works. Exactly. So, some at least one person knows who the guest is, or I'm sorry, at least four people. Every every single thing that I said, especially the jokes, I used a. Um, What's the word when you flip them backwards? Or rearrange the word? Uh, When you rearrange the uh, word. This uh, Scrabble? Yeah. Basically, I (laughs) scrabbled all the words. Basically, I scrabbled the person's name in every sentence I ever uttered in this um, particular uh, podcast episode. (laughs) Including this one. (laughs) I heard it. (laughs) Have I ever told you you should do comedy, (laughs) Byron? He would be he would be the uh, Andy Kaufman of comedy, but not on purpose. Yeah. He would just be like failing. You just have anti jokes and not know why. Right. He would he would I make uh, putting all my effort into him. Like, it, it, it. Right. You you would make uh, scent, yeah. scent of a poop <laughs> nostalgia. You know, uh, like you remember the. Can poop. we make that movie and then replace the dude with a big pile of shit? Like we'll just edit him out and put a pile of shit instead of him <laughs> instead of him peeing in the cup and during that time we just like put in a piece of poo that falls <laughs> into the cup and then we switch the sound design out so he's like grunt grunt noises oh god so we're just turning into South Park at this point <laughs> yeah so he just he, he poos in the cup oh instead god. of peeing oh man oh my god scent of a poo <laughs> that'd be good that has a terrible ring to it, it doesn't like flow well at all. 
Right. Scent of a shit, maybe. <laughs> oh, scent of a shit. Scent of a shit, yeah. of a shit is better. That's better. Alliteration. Alliteration yeah. is where it's at. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like back to back. <laughs> back to back. <laughs> And then you, you did like a <laughs> like. <laughs> is that how you? Is that how you uh, poop? He with, doesn't like. Nick? He doesn't like the you name. Guys, no, you guys go back to back. No alliteration. You share the joke. Alliteration with the same word. <laughs> it's bad alliteration. Oh, what an outro! What an wow. outro! This is yeah. quality podcasting. Okay, uh, yeah. So Blade Runner, <laughs> Blade director Runner. or final. <laughs> And Blade Runner 2049. Make sure you watch the films to be a part of the discussion. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>